Good morning. It's good to be back. Found my keys. Hit them on a bookshelf in the attic behind all the books. Why not? Why not? I did find them, though, so it's good to be back. Uh, of course, Griffin's not here. You see Ryan Shell is in today. Griffin a little under the weather. All good. Just uh, don't need him bringing the... Uh, I, look, man, unlike Disturbed, I am not interested in getting up and getting down with the sickness. Rather not do that. So I, I was happy to say to Griffin, no, 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 by all means, go ahead, stay home. And uh, Ryan is here with us today. Uh, and appreciate him coming in last minute to uh, hang out with us on a Tuesday edition of GCR, which is jam-packed. Coming up in a few minutes, our friend Tori Smith is going to join us. It's Giving Tuesday. He wants you to help um, him and Chanella out with uh, what they're doing with Level 82. He'll tell you more about that. He also was good with Zay Flowers going into the end zone at the end of the game. We'll get some perspective on that. Also this morning, Kevin Zeitler scheduled to join us. Not only is he having a remarkable season, you should probably vote for him for the Pro Bowl. He was recently announced as the Ravens Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award nominee. Um, he's kind of an ass kicker, so I wonder if like he even like wants to be recognized for his sportsmanship. We'll talk to him about that. It's Tuesday, so County Sports Zone Radio with our buddy Wes Brown. We will preview the state title games, which get underway Thursday night in Annapolis. Sadly, not involving Perry Hall after they lost to Mervo last weekend. I, I kept thinking that maybe... Mike Pence would have the courage to do what was right, but apparently, nope, he did not. And uh, also on the docket this morning, it, because it's Tuesday, we will uh, talk uh, Terps and college hoops with our friend Patrick Stevens. We will also catch up with Joe Serpico from PressBox to preview Waiver Wire Wednesday. And on top of everything else, Aaron Schatz is going to join us from TFN Network. Um, what did he make of the Ravens' offensive performance I did notice him say that he thought it was a bit disappointing given the porous nature of the Chargers' defense. So we will talk a little bit more about that. Just a jam-packed Tuesday edition of GCR. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. One thing we probably won't talk about today is the Monday night football game because holy hell is that awful. Just awful. Uh, I don't even know that Bears fans are happy because they were rooting for better draft pick at this point. But, um, yeah, that uh, was not a good sign. I was really on board with uh, Josh Dobbs, the pastor, not, so that was kind of sad. That was kind of sad last night. Uh, great way to kick off today's show. Always love catching up with our first guest. And, of course, it is Giving Tuesday. And this man uh, would like you to consider helping him as he and his family have done so much to try to help us here in Baltimore. Uh, he is, of course, former Raven, former Terp, our buddy Mr. Tory Smith. And he's back with us now here on GCR. Tory, it's Glenn. It's been too long, man. Always appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, appreciate you having me, man. You've always been very supportive, so I appreciate you, man. Dude, always appreciate you, bro. Before we get into uh, Giving Tuesday, I saw you're good with Zay Flowers going into the end zone on Sunday night. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Listen, if your team can't stop a team with 10 minutes and less than a, a minute, 90 seconds, come on out. Stop I, it. We're, bro, we're complaining. 
We're complaining about the wrong stuff. It was a it was a two score lead. Okay, I hear you, right? And there's a part of me that knows exactly what you're talking. Like for esoteric reasons, way better to have won that game twenty to ten than to have won that game thirteen to ten. But I I only wonder this: is it possible that on the sideline before that drive, guys were reminded, hey, we don't want to go into the end zone here. If you happen to break it, just go down. It, should there any be reason to worry about perhaps he was told one thing and didn't do it? Uh, no, because I thought they would have said it. But also at the same time, I feel like it was third and three, right? Like the team's trying to actually get a first to close it out. Right. So, right. you know, I think I, I think the idea of being like, oh, man, hey, if you break it, like, listen, dude, let's just get this first down. I think somehow when you think of the hypotheticals, like, let's call it what it is, the T1, right? Like nothing bad happened from it. They still ended up winning. So it's always great to coach from things going well. But, I mean, was they breaking a run like that? Uh, I don't think anyone really predicted that in that situation, right? You're thinking it's third and three. They're going to try to do something that gets four to five yards. He yeah. makes a great cut, goes to the house. I mean, that's not – the normal situation, especially where he was on the field. They were at the 35-yard line, basically. I so like, it wasn't like they were inside the 10. They weren't inside the 15, where you're right. really having those conversations. This would happened you, towards the middle, more towards the, closer to the middle of the field than the, than the end zone, you know? Would you feel differently if, say, it was like a tie game at that point? If it was a tie game, like let's say it's 21-21, and you break one, would you feel differently? Like, hey, you should probably go down at the two and just kick the field goal and not let them have the ball back with a chance to tie? Um, I do think that makes a lot of sense, especially when Justin Tucker is your kicker. So normal that I can't. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, like I told I, when when Tuck missed the kick, Bro. like I'm never. Whenever he missed the kick, I'm like, it's not his fault. It was someone else's. Like, there's no way, right? I mean, he, he he's that good at what he does. Um, I mean, I trust Tucker doing his job more than I trust almost every person in my life. So uh, it, it's it's rare when it happens. But I think when it boils down to it, at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is to win. And this is a very privileged conversation we're able to have. That's a great point. All right, that is a very good point. It's funny. Uh, I, I think a lot of times in my life I've had to remind myself that my privilege was showing. This is probably the first time I've had to say that about a football team. So there we go. All right. Uh, Tori, I, I know you and I have talked so many times over the years, and I hope you know what it means to me that you have stayed committed to our city, um, despite the fact that you're not from here. It's it's something that I, I think it's one of the great stories of modern Baltimore sports history is what you and your family have done. It is Giving Tuesday, and I know that you have continued to do incredible work with Level 82. For people that don't know what you've done and how you like literally just took over like parks and rec, and we hear it in the background right now, the work that you're doing. Can you remind everybody about that and and how it is that you guys could use help on this Giving Tuesday? Yeah, I think so. What happened with us when I retired and, you know, you welcomed us right here uh, with open arms to talk about it back then. It was like, hey, we have a goal of opening a rec center, partnering up with Boston Rec and Park. And, just took over you know, rehab and rec. And we yeah, hear it yeah, right now. Right? Like, the work that you're doing. Yeah, like rehabbing that building and running programs. And how it is. I apologize, man. I don't know what was running there in the background, but we'll get that cleaned up. Go ahead. Hey, Tori, you still hearing me, man? Yep, you got, you, yep, 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 we got you. You got me? We got you, yep. Uh, sorry about that. It must be the kids on the cheese bus. Um, <laughs> so what, um, like with us, you know, we had the opportunity to take over the rec center. 
And it's been an amazing process running programs after school, summer camp. And we had a goal from the beginning. We picked that location with the opportunity, knowing that it had green space. We could expand. One day put a gym. One day add more classrooms. We could serve more people. And that day is here. You know, we're literally packing up this week because the Baltimore Ravens donated $20 million to rehab the building. Now, while that's going to be great in two years, thanks to Steve Bishotti and the family, now while it's going to be great in two years, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in Baltimore. We're very much still boots on the ground. We don't have a home base, which is now going to allow us to collaborate with more groups within the city. Uh, we have actually added a sports component with Level 82 with 7 on 7, where we teach the kids. We, we, we actually do football stuff with them competing, but we do life lessons with them, student athletes watch to mentor them through the game. They don't realize it. They're getting tricked into, they think they're going because I'm coaching them and all of that, but really we're teaching them to be better young men and understand who they are beyond sports, which is something I always took pride in doing. Um, you know, sports to me is a tool. It's a vessel. You know, uh, playing that sport is what you do is not who you are. And that's important for me to, for kids to know the opportunities that exist when you are a great student athlete and understand the life lessons that come with the game, how it can help impact you, you know, long beyond it, on and off the field, which I'm living proof of. So I'm just extremely thankful for that opportunity and everything that we'll be doing, you know, over the next couple of years until that building opens to really help serve the community. Man, that's awesome. I, I want to guide everybody. Level82.org is how you can find out more, but uh, Ryan's going to post up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, a link to the unique fundraising page for Giving Tuesday for you guys to go check it out. And if you can open up your hearts a little bit, what, what this, what I, I keep trying to tell you this, what Tori and Chanel are doing is so unbelievably powerful. And I'm not trying to call it anybody else at all, but like, man, you do not see stories like this in most cities. So I'm, I'm begging you to, and, and I'm going to throw in a few dollars. The Clark family is going to get behind it. Like we always do, because I hope you know, truly how much it means to me, Tori. It is, it is powerful. I, I also, as Tori Smith is with us, I will tell you, I was talking to somebody in your life recently and they said, you know what's wild to me is that Tori in this youth coaching, he's almost crazier than when he was playing. Um, would, would you, how does Tori the coach, as far as intensity, compare to Tori the football player? Tori the football player was laid back, never really worried about much, more even killed. You know, I had a little bit of energy. Tori the coach is like the principal of the school that gets mad at all the details. Like, I understand. Like, I've called all of my coaches since I've been done playing, youth level and pros, and I'm like, I get it. Like, <laughs> I understand the frustrations. I understand everything because, like, perfect example, you don't know what you know, don't know until you're in that situation. So being a coach, I, I want them to learn the lessons that I've learned without having to deal with as many failures. So I'm harping on them, teaching them habits, honestly, at their age that I didn't learn until I got to college. And Man. so – we're teaching those things. And, and, that's, and when I say habits, I'm not talking about just the skill set. I'm talking about your effort, your attitude, how you do things and how you consistently get better. Right. Like when I was younger, we didn't have the resources they had now. So we were just competing to get better. We weren't coached in this way. We didn't have these opportunities. So we, I feel like it's a great opportunity for them to be well ahead. But beyond that, if you learn how to do the right thing the first time, if you know how to give your best effort every single time you step on that field, that's a life skill. And so I really harp on that. And so when I watch the Ravens and 
now I always wonder when I was a player, and y'all would ask us at the game, like, man, how did you guys start so slow? And I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, well, it's, it's the same. No, we, we, we had our same energy. And now I'm looking at these kids, and I'm like, do y'all even want to play today? Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? So, like, I understand completely what it is. And being on both sides of the fence, I still couldn't tell you the answer, and I don't know the answer as to why anyone starts slow when it comes to a football game. Have you, okay, like, have you gone to the lengths of, like, trying different things before games, like playing louder music before one game? Have you, like, really tried to mess with, like, the chi of how do we get these guys to be ready to go out of the shoots? Listen, when I tell you I've read books, I've read articles, I've done everything that I can to try to motivate these kids in different ways. I try yelling. I try being calm. They don't respond when I'm being calm. Like, they do better when I'm on them and yelling. But, like, to me, it's, like, I've tried everything. So, to me, it's like, I, I watch them, like, man, at the end of the day, I've settled on they're going to do what they want to do. But, the standard is what the standard is. So if you want to do it your way, you're going to be watching. If you want to do it the right way, you have the opportunity to play. So that's what end up, ends up working in the long run. <laughs> Man, that is wild. Uh, Level82.org, again, is the website. And uh, like I said, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, you'll find a link to the unique donation page for Giving Tuesday. And we'll make sure we retweet that again a little bit later on today. Um, Tori, just because I have you, if I could, I, I, did you get the sense on Sunday night that like the, the little bit of hiccups that we saw offensively in general, that was probably the adjustment period to life without Mark Andrews and like not maybe the end of the world. And that's just the way that this goes is it's going to take a minute for everybody to get right. And do you still feel like, you know, they have enough? I mean, we compare the, 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 you know, the Super Bowl team, the 2012 team, as as maybe being the best group of pass catchers the Ravens ever had, but it felt like this was the year that maybe more than any, they could absorb the loss of one just because of the totality of what they had on the field. Yeah, but I think that's just the way it goes. You know, you're talking about, again, we just talked about it with our youth kids. Like, what happens when you guys kind of play? You can be like the best people in the world. Or you can be the worst team in the world. Like, I, I, I truly believe it's that way even with the adults. Um, just all about execution. And certain things come into play. Um, I hate to be a guy that talks about excuses, but um, as a player, I can tell you there is a difference when you travel from coast to coast. Um, I, I do think that kind of getting slow, being a little rusty there hurts. But at the end of the day, you have to come each and every Sunday. And this Ravens team has all the tools. They have the personnel. They have the depth, which is really what's been able to kind of save the team. Because you got to think about it. In years past, when guys' offensive linemen have gone out, uh, a receiver's down or he's out, a running back's down and he's out, it's been, like, catastrophic. Yeah. And now they've done such a great job with the team where you're like, okay, they're, they're okay now. This team's going to be in a good place. So, to me, as long as Lamar Jackson is your quarterback and he's healthy, I don't care what happens. You stand a chance at winning the game, and this offense has the ability to be a championship caliber offense. You just have to figure out how to get it done. And um, I had this conversation talking with guys about the Eagles. It's like, would you rather have a pretty loss or an ugly win. No, I mean, come on. And I think, at, I, and I think at the end of the day, yeah. when you keep things to perspective, no one's going to ask if the game was 20 to 10 versus the Chargers. Yep. Right? Like, when, once you get there, it's going to be about, hey, what do we need to do to, to get this number one seed or this number two seed or wherever it is? They're not going to ask how it got done. They're going to ask, did you win? And so I think that's what we all have to keep 
in perspective as, as players, as, as fans, as coaches, and keep the main thing the main thing. All right, last for you. You and I, of course, share an affinity for Mike Loxley. I, I know that Maryland fans were hoping this would be the year that there would be a breakthrough and – you know, a win over a top program or more like nine wins in general, something like that. Can you explain to people, like, serious, I still feel like there is a struggle to understand the difficulty of what it is that they are trying to do, what they're up against, the uh, the line play that they face in that conference, and, and why the confidence is still there that, like, the trajectory is correct for Maryland football at the moment. Listen, I'm going to tell you something that I haven't honestly said to anyone out loud publicly. Coach Foxy may be mad at me. Everyone can be mad at me. I don't care. Maryland fans, they know I love them. But this is the honest truth about the state of Maryland football. The guys aren't there in the trenches. The big guys are not there yet, right? Now, because of NIL, they've removed Coach Foxy's biggest strength with his relationship. So now you have to add money to support the program. So we have fans. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to donate money. Well, our stadiums are empty. I coach some of the best kids in the state. Hmm. They don't see Maryland as a place where they want to play because of the game day atmosphere. When the big games come, it looks that way. They can see themselves there. But when it doesn't, like, it's awkward. And the kids don't want to be a part of that. So for as many people that we have that are complaining about the state of Maryland football, I think there's a lot more that fans can do simply by showing up. Yes, NIL stuff matters, and that's going to be a difference maker, but lots of going to get guys there anyway. And we need people in the stands. We need that support because Maryland hasn't been the Maryland that we all know in love for some years. So, therefore, these kids that don't come to the games as much or the young adults that are my age, yeah. they didn't experience it. So it's a whole new transformation. I think Loxley is on the right path. I do think those two losses hurt. I think it should have been a nine-win team um, at minimum. However, I do think everything is looking up, and he's done a great job building the program. Uh, Tori Smith, I'm going to let you get back to those kids, brother. Again, level82.org, and click that link. Get your donations in today. Truly appreciate what you, your family, continue to do for our city, brother. Always, any way we can help, please let me know. And thank you for spending a few minutes with us this morning, dude. I appreciate y'all having me. Thank you. That's Tori Smith, obviously, um, you know, one of the best that we've uh, ever had as far as people are concerned in our community and um, truly love and appreciate what he's doing. And I, I hear what he's saying about man, like the difference. I, I keep coming back to it. The difference is in the line play. That's the difference. It's frustrating because you wanted this to be the year they took the step forward, but the difference remains in the line play. Up front, in the trenches, as Tori said. And it is not easy to close that gap. There are a handful of special dudes in the state every now and then that are line play, that it's not like other places where they just, they grow them in spades. And they could have the top couple of guys leave to go somewhere else. In, in the Midwest, you could even lose a couple of the top offensive or defensive linemen in the state and still have plenty. At Maryland, you can't. There's just not the same amount of depth when it comes to in the trenches. Appreciate Tory as always, taking the time for us. I, I, I get what he's saying about Zay. It is a privileged conversation, and it's one of those things where, like, I, I could say yesterday, all good, as long as this isn't a case where the only issue that I would have is if 
he had just been reminded, like, during the timeout, guys, if you break one, go down. If that had happened and he didn't go down, then it's a way bigger problem, right? Because then then you're talking about somebody who's just not listening to instructions from the coaching staff. But to Tory's point, they weren't inside the red zone. They were further down the field just trying to get a first down. It's totally plausible that no one said anything about it. And that in that moment, he just thought, I'm going in. And it is, again, much different than if it was a tie game. If it's a tie game, same situation, it's 20 to 20, and you break one like that, and they don't have any timeouts left, you go down at the two. Don't let them see the ball. The fact that you were going up by two scores, you know, the likelihood of that going sideways is extraordinarily slim. So I understand everything that Tory had to say there. Appreciate him as always taking the time for us. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app right now, and when you sign up, use the code GlennClark23, and if you do, you will receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Ravens now sit plus 335, still the second favorite to win the AFC behind the Chiefs, plus 335 to win the AFC, and 8-1 to one to win it all behind the 49ers, Chiefs, and Eagles, tied with the Cowboys and Dolphins. So plus 335 to win the AFC, 8-1 to one to win the Super Bowl for the Baltimore Ravens. Use the code GlennClark23 right now when you sign up at Superbook, and you will receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. That's Superbook.com or download the Superbook app. We continue here on a Tuesday edition of GCR. Really appreciate this man taking a little bit of his bye week for us and uh, what an honor it was for him and his family last week as he was announced as the Baltimore Ravens Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award nominee. On top of that, he's just having an unbelievable season. Go get your Pro Bowl vote in right now for our friend Mr. Kevin Zeitler, who is back with us now here on the program. Kevin, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. No problem. Glad to be back. Dude, I know you are an ass kicker, right? Like, that's in your nature. We've talked about this a number of times. When you receive the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award nominee, is there any part of you that's like, hey, that's cool, but I don't know that I'd necessarily want to be known for my sportsmanship as much as for, like, my mauling and my ability to just wear you down? (laughs) Well, I think I'll take it. I think it just, (laughs) you know, says I play the game the right way and all that. So, you know, I'm going to. You know, accept it wholeheartedly. Is it is it is it something that you pride yourself on, or when you received it, you were like, "Oh, oh, oh okay, I guess." Um, it did catch me off guard. Like, <laughs> you know, you just never expect something like that. But you know, uh, they told me, I'm like, "That's actually pretty cool." You know, I like to play hard, play the game the way it's supposed to be played, but I never want to lose my head out there. So I think it shows been able to stay in control and all that good stuff but can i assume that you're not like the type of guy that after plays is like you know shaking hand hey man that was that was a that was a hell of a bull rush right there like i assume it's not like to the next step where you're like overly over the top with your sportsmanship oh uh, sometimes you have to play it that way other times you don't you know you gotta feel out the game and see what you're going against I, I I can understand all of those things. I it's a I, you know it's cool, right? Like it, it's part of what makes it cool the fact that other people recognize it. Like you know when you say that, hey, I'll, I'll accept it. 
The idea that people, that you have that reputation around the league, is that part of what makes something like this cool? I think so. Like, kind of like I said earlier, you know, I think people see it, they think I play the game the right way, yeah. you know, the way it's meant to be played, and I think, you know, it's a good honor. Dude, what what is, like, I you've always been a damn good player, right? But, like, this year, bro, it seems like you're on one. Is, is there any way to measure that? Like, we, we see the numbers and that you, like, haven't allowed a sack in what feels like forever, and we're like, oh, my God, Kevin might be even better this season. Do, do you just sort of feel like, nah, it's just I feel like I'm playing just as well as I've always played, or do you feel like you've played even better this year? Um, you know, the way I've been looking at this season, you know, I'm just trying to do anything I can to help this team win. You know, we've got some good things going for us right now. And I think, you know, I'm feeding off that energy. I think I'm trying to give everything I've got. And the biggest thing right now is we take advantage of the team we have and we go out there and uh, get the job done. I mean, I, you're getting the job done, and that's the part that matters. So, uh, Kevin, I, I, before we get back into football, I need to handle the most important part of the conversation, and that's that we had uh, Pat out for an event last week, and he was very excited to tell us that he was going to Thanksgiving at your house. And we <laughs> know, of course, that Mrs. Zeitler is legendary for the desserts, and I know that you are a grill man. Can you break down who handled what? for Thanksgiving's dinner at the Zeitler house last weekend? Uh, simple fact, uh, she took care of it all. I was really? uh, out at practice, and she had been prepping for three whole days, doing things here and there. And, I mean, while I was gone, she got two turkeys done, two hams done, a smorgasbord of sides and appetizers and drinks, and that girl really is unstoppable. She's unbelievable, man. Like, the way that I listen to the guys drool about the things that she brings in the locker room, it blows me away. Uh, top three things on the table at Thanksgiving dinner that Mrs. Zeitler made were what? Uh, so we did this uh, cool way of doing turkey called an infrared fryer this year. That turned out really, really well. Um, and then she also did a Parmesan bacon cream corn and then a interesting version of stuffing that had like some apples and uh, like some other things in it that were unique, but it tasted unbelievable. I'm, I'm on board on all of this, but I want to know everything there is to know about the infrared fryer. I, I need, I need to read a book about it. Please tell me more. Um, really cool thing. It's kind of like a vat. Like you would think like a fryer where like you put oil fryer. in, yeah. but, but there's no oil. Like you hook up a propane tank. Somehow the fire goes around the sides. I mean, it came out like it was fried. It was delicious and easy, and it was awesome. I am prepared. I was very proud of a turkey that I made this year, but I am. I need to know everything. I want. I want to study this. I want to go back to college just to be an expert about infrared fryers, so that I can be prepared for next Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, what about? Highly recommend it. What was the top seat on the dessert table on Thursday? Um, so I'm a sucker for the classic apple pie. So that was my go-to right okay. there. All right, but then. there was a ton of uh, other pies and other little desserts so you know we had like a nice little dessert table and did i see did all of the linemen come over for dinner like what was the total on number of people that were there for thanksgiving um when everyone came there was 30 plus people in the house so th this plus the kids. this saintly woman prepared food for 30 people including how many of them were guys your size uh majority of the old line was here holy hell like how do I? I'm, no offense to the sportsmanship award. How do we get her signed up for a Nobel Prize? I know she deserves it. My <laughs> God, man, that is unbelievable, bro. Like that is. Can you? All right. <clears throat> who went hardest in the paint 
on Thanksgiving? Like, who went back maybe a third or a fourth time to the table? Gosh, that, that is a great question. There were so many people, and I was chasing my kids the whole day. Oh, gosh. You know, uh, Pat Ricard can really put down a ton of food. Yeah. So I have a high bet it could be him. I, all right. Very high likelihood. And you see, I like some people would say you can't do I think as lineman and as like a fullback, there's not that, that that just means you're going to be even more aggressive and angrier on Sunday when you've got your belly full, correct? One hundred percent. This is what we need. Kevin Zeitler is with us here on G C R. Dude, that is so great. Um, hey man, the the way you guys, you know, you mentioned everything you've been doing. I know we talked at the beginning of the year about like the Super Bowl thing, but how much have you felt that that the seriousness of that and that these guys get it and that you guys are playing at a level that's maybe even a little bit different than the levels that you've been playing at the last couple of years. You know, I think we've done some good things and you know, it's fun and we want, you know, acknowledge what we've done, but we have a long way to go. A lot of things to learn and a lot of things to get better at and we you know take you know take advantage of this buy and we can uh get it going to finish it out strong you know the sky's the limit are you the type that's like down with the late like i've heard you know i think a lot of people during the year are wondering if it was having an impact on you guys like this this late buy but are you the type that thinks that this is perfect because you guys are a little bit fresher now for the the end of this stretch Oh, yeah, no, I think a late buy is really nice, especially, you know, just powering through the first 12 weeks like that. Like, it's a grind, but, like, right now to get a little rest, try to heal up for a, a final finish off the season, I think it'll do us some good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, it, it kind of works. As long as you guys kept winning, which you did, it kind of works out perfectly. It's so funny to hear you say that, I, I, and I've appreciated I know Lamar has said the same thing where, like, he's kind of been dismissive of, like, yeah, we won, that's cool, is that sort of the attitude that everybody has maintained? Like, we're we're glad we're winning. We're not trying to say it's a bad thing that we're winning, but we're just not allowing ourselves the opportunity to get too high about this because we just want to stay focused on what's next. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we have a nice vet-led team right now, and everyone kind of understands the situation and, you know, things we've done in the past years and whatnot. And, oh, yeah, it's great. We've, you know, come out strong, but we need to finish it up the right way. I, I mean, I completely get it, man, and I, I, you know, I respect it because I think it's what everybody's gonna keep saying. Like, dude, this is cool. Now we got to go do this, like, in the postseason. We, we, we got it. We got goals that are bigger than just winning regular season games, and I appreciate that. Um, I need your opinion on Zay's touchdown celebrations from Sunday night. Um, so the I was there for the second one when he did the soccer yeah, one. That, I thought that was actually pretty cool. That was dope. Pretty right? uh, pretty elaborate right there. And then I didn't know about the first one until after I got home and saw it all over uh, the internet and all that. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not everybody, including Lamar, who said it was ass the first one. Uh, John Simpson, I think, said he had no idea what was coming when he threw the bouquet back. I actually thought it was cool, right? Like he's his name is Flowers. He's tossing flowers. Like I. I, I thought it worked for me. Everybody else seemed to hate it for some reason. Yeah, I mean, teach their own. I guess everyone has a celebration taste. Right. Like, by the way, what kind of privileged statement is it that we're judging touchdown celebrations? Like, how good is life when we're judging whether or not the touchdown celebrations are good enough? I mean, I'd rather have it this way than the other way around. Oh, my God, man. It's, you're not even remotely kidding. It is entirely better to be having this conversation. 
Um, bro, I, I want to ask you this because it came up. I was talking to Tori Smith a minute ago, who's a Maryland guy, right? And we were talking about like tr- in the trenches and line and how difficult it's been for for like Maryland to compete in the Big Ten because like it in the trenches it's just not the same, right? Like where you're from, it's like everybody almost seems to look like you in Wisconsin, right? Like that can can you tell me like when you guys would when you heard that like Maryland and Rutgers were coming to the Big Ten, did you almost laugh about the idea? Of like, really? That they're gonna try to compete? Like, we're all we're like born like this out here. I mean, it was a surprise back then when it was announced. It was a surprise, you know. But obviously, from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to get the East Coast involved. And you know, I think more so than anything, you know, for them, it'll just be time to adjust. You know, getting used to the Big Ten. It's been a couple of years, but you know, eventually it gets figured out. Yeah, I I hear you. I just still feel like they would not. We don't have the same breed of human in this area, typically, that, that uh, y'all have out there. And that has made a significant difference. Um, all right, so how long, the important questions, how long do you continue to consume Thanksgiving leftovers before you say, all right, no mas, we, we can't keep doing this, we just have to move on to normalcy again? Well, actually, believe it or not, we cooked almost the perfect amount of food. There really? were not many leftovers at all, which, you know, Sarah took a lot of pride in because she planned it out so well God, she's unbelievable um, i don't know i'm a big believer in like you know you have the next day and then you can do something fun with it you know the day after that but then you know kind of once you finish out the weekend it's pretty much over all right what would you i i did this right i made a thanksgiving leftover pizza over the weekend oh nice dude i did a layer of cranberry relish instead of pizza sauce right like i did that as the pizza sauce then the cheese, turkey, and mashed potatoes on top. Is that something? I'm telling you, it was excellent. Like it, the only thing I would say is I probably should have done sweet potatoes with the cranberry sauce instead of mashed potatoes. Would could you get behind something like that? I absolutely could. It sounded like a brilliant idea. Bro, I was very happy about that decision afterwards. In fact, I made two, and I was going to bring one in to share with everybody at work. How about it ended up being lunch on Monday? Like, nobody, <laughs> no one got to enjoy the second one because it was also enjoyed by me. That was the way that that went about working. And also, like, when is Sarah going to open, like, a business? If she's this good at this, I feel like, like there's gotta, she's got to start, like, a food truck or something. Well, say the amount of uh, teammates have told me they're willing to invest whenever she wants right? to do something is quite high. Dude, dude, that is bonkers. What are you doing for bye week? You getting anywhere? Oh yeah, we're heading up to NYC for a couple of days with the whole family. So that's cool. It'll be fun to get away, get a little, you know, just do something different, doing, and then you know, come back ready to roll doing, next week. Doing the Christmas thing, I guess, like doing the whole like seeing the tree, all that. Absolutely, that's awesome, man. That is so cool. Go vote right now for Kevin Zeitler for the Pro Bowl. Just go. All you got to do is is tweet Pro Bowl vote, and then Kevin Zeitler. He seriously deserves it. But again, hopefully. He will be too busy to be a part of any of that. Hey, bro, congratulations uh, on the nomination for the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. Always appreciate you. Thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning, dude. No problem. It's Kevin Zeitler, Ravens offensive lineman, who is having just a bonkers good season. Like, just insane. I I was thinking about that. Like, normally we do um, – like the Ravens' bye is not normally this deep into the season, so normally we do like a bye week 
pats on the ass, slaps the helmet, where we go over the entirety of the year. And I guess we'll do that next Monday. It's just a little bit awkward because, you know, the season's almost over at this point. And it's tough because I've been trying to have Griffin keep track of, like, who's gotten the most points. And I hate saying this, but, like, we just expect it from Kevin Zeitler. Like, he almost never makes the list because you're just like, oh, right, Kevin Zeitler had another good game. You don't even notice it anymore. He's just been so absurd. We talk about, you know, what a quality trade. When when you measure the things that Eric DaCosta has accomplished as a general manager, like, obviously the Roquan Smith trade is quite high. You know, the Kyle Hamilton pick looks better and better. My God, that guy looks like a superstar. I think the Kevin Zeitler thing sometimes goes unnoticed. But for a franchise that didn't have a history, and Zeitler wasn't even a true free agent, right? He was a cut, wasn't he? He was a cut. Jesus Christ. I mean, has there been a more perfect fit than Kevin Zeitler has been with the Baltimore Ravens? That is very high on the mantle for Eric DaCosta and his accomplishments as a general manager. Jesus, Kevin Zeitler has been good. Dude, we were listening to Pat, Pat Ricard and Tyus Bowser salivating, discussing the desserts. Like, that it's almost like elementary school whenever they come in on treat day. Like, it's that scene in um, Office Space where Milton is worried about not getting a slice of cake. And you just look at that cake and you're like, yeah, dude, why do you care? Like, that's that's just birthday cake. It looks it, awful. It just got passed past him. Right, and he, remember, he was like... Uh, you know, the, the last time I, I did not, I did not, there was not enough cake to go around. She's like, keep passing, Milton. Keep passing. And he doesn't get a piece of cake, right? Um, the, the guys seem to have this similar, like they have to get over on treat day out of fear that there might not be any treats by the time they do. Like they're racing in on treat day whenever uh, Sarah sends uh, food in for the Ravens locker room. So are you buying an infrared turkey fryer uh, Bro, at the end I, of the show today? I, I, this is the funny part. Like, I'm very proud of the turkey that I made. And I didn't do my family's Thanksgiving turkey. I did Friendsgiving turkey this year. I'm very proud of it. Like, it was top-notch. But if I can do better, you know, like, I, I'll give you an example. I wish I would have had the time to have smoked the turkey. That I, I, we took the kids to the Polar Express on Saturday, so I did not have the time, and because I worked at the radio station on Thursday and Friday, there was no opportunity for me to smoke the turkey. I wish I could have smoked the turkey. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing. I don't know what it is, but I'm very, I said this yesterday, part of the disappointing part about the calamity that was me not being able to come to work because of my keys was that I was riding a high of accomplishments this weekend. Between my turkey and this Thanksgiving leftover pizza, which was, I mean, aces. Again, the only thing I could have done better would be I would switch out. I was basically trying to recreate the concept. And in hindsight, I should have thought about the sweetness of the cranberry relish and paired it with the sweet potatoes. The mashed potatoes still work just fine. I just think it could have been even better if I had gone with the sweet potatoes. The problem is we only have, like, the sweet potatoes with marshmallows, and I didn't want marshmallows on the... I don't want that on the, the leftover pizza. But I was riding high. Like, I felt like I had done some stuff this weekend. Like, I was feeling good 
Like, these are the types of things that give me joy now, right? Like, this is, I'm that age. You felt like you were Anthony Bourdain there for a minute? For a little bit. It was, uh, I was hoping that someone would yell out, yes, chef, right? Like, I was really, (laughs) I kept looking around the house. I did a bit at the Friendsgiving, man, where I kept demanding everybody tell me how good the turkey was. Tell me how it's not dry. Not dry at all. It's delicious. They're like, yeah, it's, it's good turkey. I'm like, no, tell me. I need it. You're like recording it as you're walking around, uh, all, was, the, all the conversations. Oh, man. And I had done the turkey last year for uh, Friendsgiving. Unfortunately, they didn't tell me until too late, and so I had to cook the turkey frozen last year. So the cooking was not, like, when you, if anybody's ever cooked a frozen turkey, it's impossible to balance it out. Like, you can get it to where it's edible, and, like, parts of it will be very good. And the flavor was still impeccable. But this year, I was able to get the turkey thawed in just enough time and nailed it. I wanted that. I wanted I wanted everybody to tell me. I wanted it. Yes, chef. I wanted it every time. <sighs> Highest of highs. Just feeling so good about myself. And then I couldn't come to work because I couldn't find my keys. Ah, life, man. Life. Hey, today's show also brought to you by the Santa Fan Variety Hour. Stan, Ross, and Luke were back in action yesterday talking baseball with you. Some uh, action, obviously, in the hot stove over the last couple of days. Sonny Gray finds a home. Kenta Maeda, maybe somebody that could have been on the Orioles list, ends up going to Detroit. Orioles still not doing anything just yet. But they were talking about all that yesterday. If you missed it, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Those are the ways to find it every Monday. Stan, Ross, and Luke talking baseball throughout the course of the offseason. And if you missed it, the Bat Around um, has a new format on Saturday mornings. We are still perfecting it for now. You can definitely watch the Bat Around every Saturday on Facebook, facebook.com slash PressBoxSports with uh, Paul and Ryan Blake. Uh, not a two-hour show anymore, more like a you know 45 minutes to an hour type of show. And it's just them. It's not really a guest-driven show anymore. But we wanted to make sure we're still giving you baseball content, and we're going to try to improve that moving forward as well. When we come back in, the state high school football finals are set and will get underway on Thursday night. We will preview all of those. County Sports Zone Radio with Wes Brown next here on GCR. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. 
best and use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of PressBox and Great Ace Memorabilia. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for PressBox fantasy football analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your waiver wire Wednesday brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at, wait, are people supposed to know about that? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program. And every Tuesday we like to talk about what's going on in the world of high school sports. So we catch up with our partners over at County Sports Zone. And it's time for County Sports Zone Radio. Joining us once again here on the program, he is our friend Wes Brown. Wes, it's always good to catch up, man. I know it's obvious that we finally reached it. It is championship week. And um, I, I, am, I, I, I assume that you're going to explain to me how maybe a recount is necessary and required and that there's still some sort of path for uh, Perry Hall to find their way into the state of championships this week. Um, I'm not quite sure, but it, it, it definitely was a, a close game there. I was kind of kind of shocked by the score. Oh, man. Uh, very disappointing for all of us. All right, let's go over. Um, six title games on tap, so let's go back to the past weekend. You mentioned that was a close game. They didn't score against Mervo. Uh, not the only close game from semifinal weekend. Yeah, no, we actually had three really close, you know, one-score uh, MPSSA semifinal games there. Um, Steven Decatur reaching the uh, championship game there with a, a one-point win, 35-34 over Milford Mill. Um, and then Calvert uh, beat uh, Forest Park 17-14 to um, to, to reach their championship there, as well as, obviously, Mervo's 6 nothing win over. Uh, over yeah, you got to keep, keep reminding me. Appreciate that. So uh, I'm going to skip around a little bit on the rundown you sent me. Let's go ahead and look to this week. Six title games. Starting Thursday night, one game Thursday, two Friday, three Saturday. 
what are the biggest storylines going into championship weekends? Yeah, so there, there's three different you know teams that can repeat. Um, North Point won last year. Um, and then um, sort of on top of that, uh, Mervo won in, in 2021. So, you know, two teams that have won recently um, with, with a chance to go there on Saturday afternoon. Uh, but also Fort Hill and Dunbar are there seeking uh, three-peats um, this weekend. Uh, Fort Hill Mountain Ridge is actually the, the third consecutive time that's been the 1A championship. Huh. Uh, so, so really, re- really should be some, some interesting storylines there with, with potential repeats. Maybe they just cancel the regular season at the 1A level and just sort of say, we'll see you guys in Annapolis uh, the first week of December and go ahead and claim it. Uh, you've been talking a lot. We've known for some time there's going to be a new uh, 4A champion, and this Broadneck story continues. Yeah, yeah, it's Broadex kind of kept pushing along here. Uh, another pretty dominant win uh, last week. Um, so they're going to face kind of a, a high-powered wise team um, in the, the 4A championship on, on Friday night. Um, and then capping off everything on, on Saturday will be uh, Oakdale-Linganore. Um, obviously, we, we talked a lot about uh, running back Ethan Arnes- Arneson for the Lancers. Uh, he's now third all-time in state history in rushing yards after their semifinal game. Um, it would take kind of a, a wild championship game, uh, 372 yards in order to to get into second place there. But um, definitely going to be a, a ho- hopefully a good game for him to, to cap off a career there um, against a, a pretty solid Oakdale team. I, I've seen a lot of things. I will admit I've never seen a 372 yard rushing performance in any level of football. So, um, man, who knows? Maybe some serious history to be made on Saturday night in Annapolis. All right. Yeah, the game's all weekend. Um, you can get down to Annapolis to watch them throughout the weekend, and I believe they're also on NF- NFHS Network as well. I don't think there's any over-the-air TV for the championship games anymore, right? It's... No, no. They, it, it used to be on the, the, the CW, yeah. uh, but they, they sort of shifted to the the, end up the NFHS streaming. All right. Now, uh, a couple other things that did occur over the course of the last week as Wes Brown is with us for County Sports Zone Radio. Um, speaking of Annapolis, there was a pretty good tussle for the WCAC title, but also not a lot of points. Yeah, yeah, good, good council took down to Mappa there, uh, seven nothing. Um, it was a horrible, horrible weather game on, on Tuesday, just pouring rain sideways. Um, the, the 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 Stags managed to get an early rushing touchdown, and and that that was really all they needed. Um, first time that they've won since 2019. Um, so that that senior class had, had never won um, a WCAC title, but um, nice to see them get get on top there. And then, of course, here locally, uh, the tradition that is the Turkey Bowl. Neither of these teams were uh, involved in the championship picture in the MIAA, but it's always a big deal. And uh, the athlete of the week this week happens to come from Loyola. Yeah, uh, Kendrick Worthington uh, managed uh, 226 yards and three touchdowns on 26 rushes. Um, with with all three touchdowns coming in the second half, um, as as the Dons took down Calvert Hall forty to twenty eight, um, it was kind of a, a redemption effort after last year when when Calvert Hall managed to, to to win the game by by stuffing him um, at at the goal line there. So um, a, a nice little bounce back performance there there from him. Uh, and a lot of touchdowns at the end there to help put it away. Yeah, and business in that game really picked up in the second half, unfortunately, right about the time that the NFL action was getting underway, so a lot of people were flipping over and watching that instead. All right, so obviously this weekend wraps up fall sports weekend in the state of Maryland. Can you just give us a thumbnail, Wes, on the next couple of weeks? When do, like, what... What are the big things on the horizon? I know the governor's challenge is coming up in basketball, and that's sort of like the 
the big kickoff when basketball season, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a few tournaments here uh, starting starting December um, as teams sort of, you know, get in a rhythm, look to get some of those out of conference games out of the way. Um, We're in the process of getting all the, the winter schedules up here. Um, so, so this week is kind of just waiting for, for football championships. Yeah. Um, next week, the, the first week of December, we actually start with um, NPSSA games again for, for winter sports. So basketball, wrestling, all that, all that good stuff um, starting next week. So we're, we're going to have all these schedules up this week um, so everyone can, can look ahead. I don't mean to put you on the spot, so it's okay if you just say, you know, not off the top of my head. But is there any other player in these six games this weekend that you would say, hey, this is a name you should know. This is, if you're watching, be aware of this player. This is someone who's got the opportunity to do something moving forward. Uh, yeah, uh, D- Dominic Nichols uh, for, for Oakdale is a, a pretty strong defensive um, d- d- defensive player there uh, for, for the Bears. Um, pretty highly touted, you know, committed uh, D1 recruit there. Um when, when I went last year, I wasn't necessarily thrilled with, with the performance, but he, he's a guy who can definitely step up and, and have a game there, and they're, they're really going to need it going up against Artisan there. Okay. Uh, it's, yeah, somebody's got to slow down that dude. He's going to be trying to run for 400 yards, so you got yeah. going to have to do everything you can in order to try to slow him down. And as you point, uh, point out, uh, he's headed to Michigan, and I hear they're good. I hear that's a bit of an accomplishment. Uh, for a public school kid in Maryland to be headed to play at Michigan moving forward. All right, Wes, remind everybody about what County Sports Zone is, where they can find uh, CSC on social as well, and also where they can find you on social. Yeah, so County Sports Zone is, is your home for all the you know scores, schedules, and, and other content around uh, high school sports in the state of Maryland. Um, you can find us on uh, pretty much all social medias at CSC Scores. Um, and you can find me at W underscore Brown 21. We'll have, you know, full coverage of, of every state championship game this weekend. Um, and, and obviously we're, we're getting out those those winter schedules and, and doing some other fun things. Awesome. We will look forward to uh, recapping those with you next Tuesday and then shift in focus to what should be on the horizon for everybody uh, in basketball and winter sports season starting next week. Wes, appreciate you, man. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. All right. It's... Yep. Thank you. See ya. It's Wes Brown from County Sports Zone with us here on GCR for County Sports Zone Radio. As uh, we always like to try to dip in, I always try to tell you we try to stay hyper local, like focused on local. And um, I'm glad that uh, Wes has been able to help us out. And uh, yeah, Dominic Nichols is headed to Michigan, where they they play some defense there. They're, they're pretty good. Whether they know what everybody's doing or not, it seems like they're pretty good. So that's uh, quite the accomplishment for that young man. All right, uh, winding down for our number one of today's program. A reminder that because of the bye week and a couple other things that are going on scheduling-wise, we are pushing back the next Tyus Bowser show. It will not be next Tuesday because we wouldn't have a game to talk about. It would be, hey, so, uh, yeah. What so. what beach did you visit? Right. Well, Kevin Zeitler's going to New York. <laughs> I guess it's a little bit different because he used to play there. They probably, you know, made a bit of a, a family tradition of uh, doing some holiday time in New York. But um, decided we were going to go ahead and shift it back to the following Tuesday. And I really was hoping that by today, because we'd be two weeks out, we could announce. And so I, we might be able to. 
later today announce where the next show is going to be because we shifted it. We also had to shift the location, so we should have some details for you about that, but at least by the end of the week. We're not going to get to, you know, like the day of and not know where the show is going to be. We'll have details about that for you soon. So the next show will be December 12th, and I believe that means we're doing back-to-back weeks of shows here in December. Find out more PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. When we come back in, um, Maryland plays tonight. They're going for a third straight win. So they got that going for them, which is, which is nice. Um, is there anything to be encouraged about from their last couple of games against UMBC in South Alabama? We'll talk about that next with our buddy Patrick Stevens right here on GCR. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profiles the Orioles' survivors. Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mancastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Henneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from college basketball programs around the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along the holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on Events to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas in at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. 
Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org slash hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good but hey you're already here now so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to gcr all right back in here on gcr as we continue on a tuesday edition of the program and every tuesday here on gcr we talk college hoops with our friend the best in the business he is mr discourse d1s course on twitter our buddy patrick stevens back with us on the program patrick good morning how are you sir i am well how are you doing i'm all right man i uh i don't you know what? I before we get because there's look, you know, there's not a whole lot to say. I know you and I don't typically talk about college football, but I also know that you write about college football for the Post. Can mm-hmm. I ask if you understand what the scenarios are for like the if this team wins, who gets? Do you do you have a grasp on what's really going to play out this weekend? Well, I think there's five teams that basically control their own fate at this point okay. entirely. Don't need any help. So. I think the Pac-12 winner is going to end up, whether it's Washington or, or Oregon, but not both, is going to end up in the playoff. And if Georgia wins, if Michigan wins, uh, and if Florida State wins, yeah. all, three of those, all three of those teams, yeah. the undefeated teams, they're all good to go. Right. Um, and so those, those five teams, I think, are kind of easy to figure out. I think if you're Ohio State, you need – you need basically the favorites to win except for Florida State and preferably Washington too. Like if you got the undefeated teams to all win except for Florida State, you're probably the team that that benefits from that Um, because now you have a one-loss Florida State team that doesn't have its starting quarterback and you have two-loss Alabama, two-loss Texas, uh, two-loss Oregon all in the mix. Um, The sort of grenade in the whole thing is the scenario of you know obviously Texas won at Alabama. Right. That's a really hard. That's a really hard result to ignore. So what if I give you Washington wins? Yep. Florida State wins. Yep. Michigan wins. That's and, three undefeated teams. And Alabama beats Georgia. And Alabama beats Georgia, and Texas beats Oklahoma State. So there's a scenario and, where the SEC could be somehow le- like. Because I, I, it seems impossible, but you're in that scenario. Is the SEC completely left out of the college football playoff? I, I th- first of all, I think it is, and second of all, let's not kid ourselves. Like the the middle to bottom of the SEC really wasn't that great this year. That's fair. And and when you start thinking about it, like this is there's a little bit of a of 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 a game here of of overrating the expectations from the preseason, right? Like sure. all these SEC teams get, get pumped up. So it's hard for SEC teams to exceed expectations. Um, but how many of them really did? Just, just 
Mi- as a, Missouri, as a, right? You know, as a, like as sort of a thought experiment. Missouri did. Yes. I, I, Missouri Missouri did, but did Georgia? No. I mean, they're undefeated. Everybody thought they'd be. Right. Alabama didn't. I think Mississippi is about where people thought they would be. Can, LSU is maybe a little worse. Go ahead. Kentucky? Uh, I think I think people were really excited about Devin Leary coming in, yeah. and then they ended up, you know, maybe not as good as they started off good, and then had that sort of middle period where they weren't great. I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say like Auburn or Texas A and M is all that great uh, relative to expectations, and you're certainly not going to pick any of the five teams that finished with a losing record as teams that exceeded expectations. So you can make a case that there's only one SEC team that's like legitimately better than we all thought they were going to be. Now, we all thought Georgia and Alabama and LSU were going to be really good. So there is that. But I do think that that scenario exists, where the, and that really is the, the, uh, the, the one where the committee has, has basically, it's broken for them for many, many years now where it was pretty obvious what they were going to do. Um, and, th- and honestly, this is the first, this, is, this week is the only time where people should be even remotely talking about what the committee's going to do mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so many variables prior to this. But at this stage, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this might actually be one where those folks actually uh, earn, the, earn some scrutiny as opposed to just being able to have a lot of meetings throughout the year and, and, and have their fancy ranking show that's, um, kind of irrelevant, quite frankly, for the most part, uh, except for the last one. Yeah, so. but it, it gets you lovely 9.30 tip times for college basketball. Games. It, does, it, it does give you, you know, the funny thing about that is that it, it, it not only gives you 9.30 tip times, but it gets the football people complaining about why college basketball is there. <laughs> you know, like, like, it, like it's, you know, why, is, why is this 7 o'clock game going to overtime so we can't get our <laughs> rankings that don't mean anything? Oh God! All right, all right. I, 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 boy, it would be wild. What a wild story it would be for there to be no SEC teams. Although, in fairness, in like five years, everybody's going to be in the SEC, so then we won't have to worry about that. Well, <laughs> and, and 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 the SEC will be renamed ESPN, and the Big Ten will be renamed Fox, Fox yep. and those will be the. Yep. Maybe they'll have some. Maybe they'll have some flex scheduling there. Swap some games, you oh, know, like yeah, the NFL. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Maryland basketball won a couple of games last week against UMBC in South Alabama. They get Ryder tonight. Anything from those games? Obviously, shooting was a bit better. Competition does matter, but like just making shots was something that you needed to see against anyone, frankly, from Maryland at this point. Anything from the two games that we saw last week that to you was noteworthy at all? Well, I want to point out that we're talking about shooting from two-point range. That's fair. That was good. Okay? Yes. So, against UMBC, Maryland was 6 of 21 from three, uh, but, 20, but 25 of 47 from two, which is pretty good. Uh, against South Alabama, they were 5 of 31 from three, yeah. and 19 of, what, what do we got here, 26, 19 of 26 from two, which is extremely good. Um, Maryland woke up today. Uh, thanks to a couple of results over the last couple of days. Not results, because the teams that are in this mix both lost. But right now, Maryland has a better three-point shooting percentage than one Division One team out of 362. Oh, can, can we play the guessing game? Can we do that? Is if it, you want to play the guessing yeah, game, I already know, oh, the, you answer, know the answer. So. Is it Chicago State? No, it's not Chicago State. All right, I'll get, I'll get two more. Uh, is it Queens University? It is not Queens University. Is it Utah Tech? It is not Utah Tech. It is Dartmouth. 
Oh man! Uh, and with a with a with a valiant effort last night, Houston Christian tied Maryland, so they are tied for 360th. Coppin State with its loss uh, against LaSalle, I think they were like five of eleven from three, so they moved ahead of Maryland um, on the three point shooting list. And and by the way, Utah Tech is actually a 36.6 oh, percent shooting team. I um, Queens time. is Queens is a modest twenty nine point one, but would still rank inside the top three hundred. Um, and Chicago State, uh, Chicago State checks in, and I, I, it's weird. The NCA has their reclassifying teams yeah. separate from, so I'm I'm sort of adding them on the fly. So Chicago State is is was your best guess three thirty fifth. Okay, of all right, all right. I, I I come away with something. I want to take this time to apologize to. I imagine we have a huge listening base of Utah Tech supporters, so I just want to take this time to apologize for my disparaging comments about a, a, a much better three-point about shooting. The tra- about, about the Trailblazers yes. there, yes. Thank you. Um, I, 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 I mean, it's I, again, this is just sort of the story, right? Like, the, I, 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 I do. Do we say like at some point they they stop? You can't stop shooting threes. You can't play this sport. Wait. And not shoot. You probably you pr- you probably can't shoot. You can probably avoid shooting thirty one of them in fair, a game. Now, fair. in fair in fairness, South Alabama did, and Richie Riley, their head coach, did what any any coach with a functioning brain would do to Maryland at this point: play a lot of zone against them, yeah, and dare them to make some shots. And I think that, except for the truly obstinate coaches out there that are like, "We're going to play man to man because that's what we do." Besides those guys, and, and they're out there, and, and, and fortunately it's the Big Ten, so you got a little bit of that, that in, in the league. But I think anybody that, that is facing Maryland should throw a hefty dose of zone at Maryland and, and figure, well, you can switch out of it if, if Maryland happens to be having a good day. But I would expect that Maryland, until it starts knocking down some outside shots, will see a large amount of zone. Now, I will point this out, too. They only had um, four guys score the other night. Uh, they only played eight against a, a decent but not great South Alabama team. So you also have the question there of, well, where's the help going to come from? Well, it's clearly going to come from those eight guys one way or the other. Because if you're playing eight in a, in a game that you had control of by the time you got to about the under 16 or so of the second half, eh, th- those are your answers in your mind, basically. So, uh, but until until they uh, until Maryland winds up uh, improving from the outside, that, that's going to be the story. And tonight they get a rider team that happens to rank 349th in three point percentage. Oh, so they're the the rims are the rims are going to be getting a workout tonight in college. Oh, I can't believe this one's not on television. I I would think there would be great demand for there being. Uh, uh, it, yeah. it, it does feel a little like a BTN minus type of production yeah. here out <laughs> for the BTN squad. Patrick Stevens with us here on GCR. After this tonight, Maryland gets into Big Ten play. Um, I, do we know? By, by the way, they get, you know, they get into Big Ten play against Indiana. Do you know what Indiana ranks in three? I'm going to guess not very good. 357. Oh, God. Jesus Christ! So that was what I was gonna say. Like, what do we know about Indiana? Like, they've they've only played one like particularly good team, and they got blown out by UConn in that game. Um, they they beat Louisville, but in a way, it feels like it's kind of embarrassing that they only beat Louisville by single digits. Um, what do we know about Indiana? Yeah, I I I was not as high on Indiana as some other people coming in. Uh, and and right now, 
uh, Indiana not only doesn't shoot threes well, it also doesn't offensive rebound very well, mm. uh, which you would think that with all those caroms flying off of there, they'd be a half-decent offensive rebounding team, but they're not. The one thing they are really good at is getting to the foul line. So that's something that I would say that you're, you're staring at a scenario of can Julian Reese stay out of foul trouble type of thing. Uh, I think that might be the, the big, big deal in that game overall for, for Maryland. Uh, but you're right. Like it, it's a, it's an Indiana team that's just five and one, you know, the, the Louisville wins. you know, I don't think it's worth that much. They beat Harvard in a, in, I believe Indianapolis. Uh, so what do you, what do you make of that? I don't know. I, I, I think that's a team that, okay. So they got boat raced by Connecticut. A lot of people have that happen right. too. We're gonna we're gonna learn a lot about Indiana in the next four games though because they play Maryland, Michigan, Auburn, and Kansas in succession. Oh, wow. So, um, I, I I think that's a game that Maryland has the potential to certainly be in and, and steal at the end. I, I don't think that's a game that Maryland's going to go out to Bloomington and win by a lot though. Uh, on the national front, obviously, it was a big week with all of the tournaments. I, Purdue is kind of the headliner, but it's such a difficult thing, Patrick, because. Like, I can't shake my, my biases, right? Like, yes, obviously Purdue won good game, but yet I find myself sort of saying, yeah, but does that make me feel any different about what they're going to do in the NCAA tournament? They're, they're still Purdue, right? Like, I, I, I don't know how much it matters what they did out in Honolulu last week. Well, I, I think it's possible to look at Purdue and, and, and what it has done over the last several years and say that, that over a 30-game sample, they're really good. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Um, and you know, I thought it was interesting over the summer. You, Matt Painter did a few interviews where he says, "Look, the common denominator is me. Let's not beat around the bush. Like a lot of these guys didn't play on the on the team that lost to North Texas a few years ago. Um, but I, I look at them; they're playing, you know, they're playing elite defense. Whereas a couple of years ago, the team that lost to St. Peter's was not a good defensive team at all. And we kept saying, you know, eventually somebody's going to knock them off because they just score more than they." We didn't expect it to be St. Peter's, mind you, but you figured eventually they're going to run into somebody, and it might have been that Carolina team that they would have faced in the next round. And you would have gone, ah, that makes sense. Uh, they are playing exceptional defense to this point. And let's also not forget that given what we've seen in the Big Ten so far, uh, and yes, this is me taking the opportunity to kind of point out, yes, the Big Ten isn't very good. Yeah. Uh, like, it's not inconceivable that Purdue ends up 16-4 and or maybe even a little better than that. Yeah. In the league, yeah. you know there is. They'll go and lose a few road games in the league because it's you know there's enough travel and all that. And they'll they'll get themselves into some rock fights, but I don't see a reason to sit here and say Purdue isn't good. I have I have reason to sit here and look at some other teams and say you know they're a pretty questionable bunch right now, uh, but but not them. I, I like they might lose in March early like they have the last few years, but when you watch them, you know yes they have Zach Eady and he's awesome and all, um, but. You also have games where you look up and, and there's Fletcher Lawyer scoring 27 yeah. points against Tennessee. That's not easy. Yeah. So I, I think that you know part of the key for them was always going to be, does Lawyer take a step? Does Braden Smith take a step? Uh, you know, and, and Smith had 18 against Marquette in the title game out in Dallas. So those, those guys figured to get better. They, fit, they were probably going to be a better team this year than they were last year. And they were pretty good last year up until the first round of the tournament. So... I don't. I don't have a problem giving Purdue its flowers for being good. It is, 
But when March arrives, there's obviously going to be a spotlight on them that yep. was very similar to the one that Virginia had on it no doubt. in 2019 when it was coming off its loss to UMBC the year before. Um, anything else on the national level from, from all of the different tournaments? I know Arizona got a good win against Michigan State. Anything else that jumped out at your – or maybe a team that was a little bit off the radar that moved onto the radar for you? Well, I thought Florida Atlantic winning those three games yeah. down in Orlando was pretty significant. And, I mean, they boat raced Virginia Tech in that title game, got Texas A&M in the, in the semifinals down there. So that was definitely a team uh, that, that stood out to me for, for good reasons anyway. Uh, you know, that's a team I, I kind of thought, even though they had all those guys back, like you, you're sitting there trying to gauge, like, what is the right level for them? Are they a top 10 team because they won four games last March after they'd won a lot of games against mostly teams that they were better than, um, or, you know, are they a top 10 team, a top 20 team? How do you size that up? Uh, and that was kind of the, the conclusion that, that I came to there, uh, was, was that that was, that was an impressive performance for the Owls. And then on the local front, uh, was the most significant or noteworthy thing that Loyola was damn competitive with Missouri. Is that <laughs> I don't know what else they could say on the local front from this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've seen them play. You know, I thought they played reasonably well on offense at Florida in the opener. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, to do that, they were right in it with Missouri up until, what, about the last 10 or so minutes of that game. Uh, go ahead and give a nod to Towson as well for having just kind of put Morgan State to sleep for all intents and purposes. That second half was entirely in the 7-14 to 14 point range. Uh, big development there. Morgan State guard Winston Tabs got ejected uh, in the first half, and, the, and from there it kind of unraveled for the Bears. But Towson's 3-4. and four. They're heading out to South Dakota State for an interesting nominally neutral game out, out in Sioux Falls. Uh, and they're still waiting on the Nenda Tark situation. They're hoping that they can get some good news on him and get him eligible. Uh, I know Pat Scary could really use him at this point. They, they need another ball handler right now. Radier Hicks is in concussion protocol. So uh, curious to see what Towson does with an interesting upcoming schedule with South Dakota State, UMass, UMBC, Bryant, uh, and then Nickel State, which is coincidentally yep. where uh, where Tark was enrolled for like a week or so uh, and then uh, and then you know withdrew and, and, and wound up at Towson. So uh, an interesting interesting team there as well. All right, it's time for our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this player has played for? Uh, a guy who I, I think will continue to be active moving forward, although he's clearly on the downside of his career. Uh, I don't know how in the – I've, I've given you some ball-busting ones. This one uh, far more common, and it's even more than five teams at this point. Um, this man has been a nine-time All-Star over a career with seven teams. Craig Kimbrell is first on our list. Kate, Craig Kimbrell, Atlanta. Of course. San Diego. Yep. He was with Boston. He certainly was for three years. He was with the Cubs. Yep. Now you've knocked out all of the multi-year stops on Craig Kimbrell. And the, the, the White Sox. Yes. The Dodgers. Yep. And the Phillies. Oh, perfect. So I'll go a little bit, a slightly more difficult on our four-team guy. Um, only an all-star once, famous for his failure although he did end up winning the World Series, four teams for Byun Hyun Kim. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> that is brutal. I, I knew two, um, obviously, and then I, it all fell apart okay. from there. Well, I, I only know one for sure, oh, okay. Arizona. I, I um, remember where he went I next. Think, was, he, was he in Colorado? He was in Colorado for three years, although there was a stop in okay. between Arizona and Colorado. Okay. Was he a Met? Not a Met, no. And was he a Brewer? Not a Brewer. So it was Boston for two years. Oh, that's right. After that's Arizona. Right. And then at the end, he spent parts of two seasons with the Marlins to wrap up his career. All right. That's where he ended up. I, I went in opposite order, uh, more common, and then a little bit more ball-busting for Team 1. Uh, what's the schedule look like for you this week, my friends? I'm actually headed down to Howard tonight. They have Cincinnati in yeah. for a fascinating game. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it really is. It really is. That was a, that was a good move by Wes Miller, um, the head coach at, at Cincinnati, to, to, to play that game. And uh, old friend Josh Leffler, the former Hopkins coach, right. is now on the Cincinnati staff. Right. So, uh, so that's tonight. Tomorrow, I believe it'll be a matchup of former Kevin Willard assistants, uh, Grant Billmeyer and uh, Tony mm-hmm. Skin out of George Mason. Uh, and then UMBC Coppin State on uh, Thursday. So, And the weekend will include, I believe, Lehigh and UMBC on Saturday. Uh, and then on Sunday, Morgan State hosting Longwood. At Discourse, D1 Escorse, as always, is where you can find him. Always appreciate you, sir. Thanks for hopping on with us once again. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for having me, Glenn. Patrick Stevens with us as he is every Tuesday here on GCR talking college hoops. Yeah, Maryland tonight at home against Ryder, and then Friday night they take on Indiana to open up Big Ten play. They get Indiana and Penn State uh, in this first round, this this December round of Big Ten play before they dip back out of conference until the uh, the end of the year. All right, hour number two of GCR. John and Little Rock, by the way, I hear you. There's no way they'll leave the SEC champion out of the college football playoff. I, I tend to agree with you. I would only say that the, 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 what was laid out by Patrick, I don't know how the committee overcomes it without just sort of saying, but we're biased to the SEC. That unique scenario... Right? Washington finishes unbeaten. You can't leave them out. Florida State finishes unbeaten. I know none of us want them in the playoff because they don't have their quarterback, but you can't leave them out. Michigan finishes unbeaten. You can't leave them out. You can't leave undefeated power conference teams out of the playoff. And now you're stuck with either Texas, who wins the Big 12, or Alabama, who wins the SEC, and you have this giant thing in front of you where Texas won at Alabama. Now, to be frank, I don't think any of us truly believe right now that Texas is a better team than Alabama. But they won at Alabama. How do you put them in? How do you do that? It's a very unique circumstance, which isn't all that, like, impossible. I I guess the real crazy part would be everybody thinks Oregon's better than Washington. If Oregon beats Washington, are you really leaving Oregon out, right, Like, and, and putting Alabama in over there. That's why I actually think this is a fascinating championship weekend, more than most years, where there's not a lot. There's actually a fair bit at stake going into this weekend. Let's, uh, let's get back to the Ravens this morning here on GCR. I saw something that our next guest said on Twitter, and I was feeling the same way because I kept saying all throughout the week, I really like the Ravens on paper because the Chargers' defense is – very bad. It was the number 31 ranked defense in the league coming into the week. 
again in yards. Um, should we be alarmed by the fact that the Ravens struggled offensively against the Chargers? Uh, always a pleasure to welcome back into the program one of our favorites, of course, sort of like the godfather of analytics in football. He is Mr. Aaron Schatz from FTN Network, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Aaron, it's Glenn. Always good to catch up, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Good to be here. I, I promise that I didn't have you booked again just to make sure that you could hear me pronounce your name correctly after the many years that I that I bungled it. I promise that wasn't the reason, but uh, I, I, I did. I wanted to make sure that we got that right. Um, Aaron, I, I don't know what to make. Like, I think for me it's easy to say, hey, road trips to the West Coast, night games on road trips to the West Coast in particular are weird. You're sitting around all day, and you've had to travel. Then you add in the fact the Ravens have this late bye, and it's their first full game without Mark Andrews. I'm inclined to give them an amount of a pass for what we saw offensively should I be as inclined or should I be concerned about the fact that a Chargers team that has been very bad defensively really held the Ravens in check for the better part of that game on Sunday night? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm the cold takes guy, right? So, I mean, I'm always about give it a little bit of time and see what happens. I would never overreact to one game, right? I mean, the, the Ravens' pass offense has been better in the second half of the season. This was one bad game. Week 8 was also a bad game against a bad defense. That was uh, against Arizona. Yeah. And the passing game wasn't that good in that game either. But again, it was just one game. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that there's no Mark Andrews is a little bit of a worry. But don't overreact to one game. Now, you know, if they have the same problems next week, then we start to say, okay, you know, now it's two games of this, both of them without Andrews. All right, now maybe there's a little bit of a problem, but don't overreact to one game. I, I am inclined to feel that way. I guess the, the couple of things that, that I would point out, what, is it, what do we make of the fact that it wasn't like they were inept offensively? They, they moved the ball. At one point, I think I did the math, they had at least, I think they had five drives, maybe six drives of seven or more plays, but they only came away with a touchdown on one of them. Like It seemed like it was a unique circumstance where they moved the ball a bit. They just sort of got bogged down. Some of it was penalty. Some of it was Khalil Mack, and they didn't seem to have an answer. But it felt like that might have been, and I don't know if you were watching it, some of the areas where they most miss Mark Andrews, right? Like on third down, they haven't necessarily figured out exactly what the strategy is when defenses don't have to pay so much attention to one guy. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that. But listen, this Ravens passing game is much more distributed to other receivers than it has been in past years. They were much less dependent on Andrews than they have been in the, in the last couple of years because they've got better wide receivers now. And they've got Isaiah Likely in his second year to take over for Andrews. So the drop at tight end is not as big as it was before. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not – again – the running game has been really efficient the last few weeks and that's great. And I'm not, I'm not that concerned after one game. Yeah. It was a little weird that they weren't scoring more points on the chargers at the same time. You know, the chargers weren't scoring points on them. So everything was fine. That's true. That's a very good point. Uh, Aaron, I, I bring up the struggles we've seen now, um, the success that Miles Garrett had against the Ravens, and we've seen the success that Khalil Mack has had against the Ravens, and the easy thing for somebody to say is, well, those guys are really good, 
and they're gonna ha- they're gonna eat no kind of no matter who it is they're up against. But I look at the schedule and I see that like there's a lot of those types of guys that are left for the Ravens to face. Although I guess Jalen Phillips comes off of that list because uh, he's gonna be done for the year. But you know like Nick Bosa is still on the schedule and Aaron Donald is a different player. But like should we should we be concerned? about the fact that the Ravens continue to struggle with high-end. Like, Ronnie Stanley alone is no longer the answer at this point, right? Like, that they're, they're not coming up with better answers for how to try to work around the presence of high-level edge rushers. Right. Well, Aaron Donald is going to be a different thing because Aaron yeah. Donald is not going to be going up against Ronnie Stanley. That's but Aaron yeah. Donald is a test case for the playoff game that is likely coming, which is Kansas City yeah, and Chris, Chris Jones. Jones. Yeah. Right. If you're thinking about the playoffs, who who are the Ravens likely to play in the playoffs? Okay, Josh Allen is a really good edge rusher for Jacksonville, and you might get Miles Garrett again. But the most important game is, you know, likely to be Kansas City, and then it's about an interior rusher with Chris Jones. I mean, you know, would I be a little worried that these great pass rushers are having great games against them? Yeah. I mean, uh, if you need something to worry about with the Ravens. Um, you know, the number one thing to worry about is probably that the passing game, you know, forget this game, let's just talk about the whole season, has been a little bit above average, but not as good as you really want for a Super Bowl contender. And the second thing to worry about is probably, yeah, that they're having a little bit of trouble with top edge rushers, but everyone has trouble with top edge rushers. Maybe they need to leave in likely to block a little bit more. Maybe they need to use a blocking tight end a little bit more or a fullback a little bit more to block. Um, they've got, you know, they're going to have Josh Allen. They're going to have Nick Bosa. So they're going to have, uh, and they're going to have Pittsburgh in the last game, right? So that's TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. They're going to have some chances to see what happens if they try different blocking schemes. He is Aaron Schatz, and he is with us here on GCR. And Aaron's got a story update at FTNFantasy.com about, uh, it's a, a DVOA breakdown, but it covers a lot about the Ravens' run game. And we will post that on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, for you to go check it out. And, Aaron, I, I bring this up to say, like, what, and, I, and you can explain a little bit more of the breakdown of just how dominant the Ravens' run game has been. Are, are we at a place where we look around the NFL and we see maybe they just aren't the explosive pass offenses necessarily that we expected them to be, coupled with a few quarterback injuries? Is this a year where dominant defense and dominant run game could again be capable of winning a Super Bowl. Well, every year is a year where that's capable. It's still passing game still generally rules overall. And that's why I like San Francisco so much this year, because San Francisco is the one passing game that has been just super ridiculously efficient, especially when Trent Williams has been healthy and Debo Samuel has been healthy and, and McCaffrey But yeah, so if you look at our DVOA ratings, the running game of the Ravens this year is the third best we've ever measured since 1981. And it's astonishing because they lost their starting running back, right? right? What you see there is the Lamar Jackson effect. Not only Lamar Jackson's planned runs, and our running running, uh, numbers do not include blown handoffs and do not include scrambles. Okay, those count in other categories. Um, but planned runs by Jackson. And then you see the, um, the gravity 
that he has on the field, right? Where when, you know, you are defending against the Ravens, you always have to defend against the possibility of a Lamar Jackson run, and it opens up holes for the running backs. And so the running backs have been just tremendously, tremendously efficient, like historically efficient. The only two running games they're behind are the 99 Washington uh, Stephen Davis Mm -hmm. and 98 Denver with Terrell Terrell Davis. Davis. Yeah, Yeah, that was a pretty good unit. I I am – I – this is I, I'm really struggling with this, right? Because you bring out the 49ers. Are are there other teams that have had like this? I feel like this is why I asked the question. Am I right to think this year is just different, Aaron? I to your point that like, hey, that could be good enough in other years too. But this is yeah, just, passing is down overall. Yeah, thank you. That's passing what I was looking is down for. overall. Yeah. And then if you look at if you look at passing games compared to the league average, San Francisco is way way ahead. Yeah. But then you have Buffalo. But Buffalo makes mistakes at the most inopportune times. And you have Houston, but just how much do you trust a rookie? And then you have Miami, but Miami's really kind of fallen off in the last few weeks. So, yeah, it's not a year where there are these super dominant passing attacks other than San Francisco that feel like they're going to sweep to a Super Bowl. I just feel like that makes things all the more interesting and that maybe this just is sort of the way to keep playing. I, I also wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to yeah. hint, yeah. then uh, tune in on Christmas. Right. When they right. Play the Mer- 49th, yeah, that's right. 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 In San Francisco. That's a great point. How does that match up? What does that look like? And can you get them to play more at your style? Are they still comfortable playing more at your style? If that's the case. Um, I, Aaron, I wanted to get your take on it. We've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks. I, it's, it's weird to me when I look up and I see Lamar Jackson is the second betting favorite to win NFL MVP because, for the most part, I think most of us in Baltimore would say, Lamar Jackson's having a good season. But I don't even know that anybody in Baltimore would say we think he's having a particularly otherworldly season. And I get that's part because the standard that Lamar Jackson has set is quite high. Um, and, and this... I keep coming back to I was the guy that was screaming a couple years ago, Aaron, about when when we saw what the Bills offense looked like the year before Stephon Diggs arrived, and then we saw what it looked like the year that Stephon Diggs arrived, I just kept asking every day, why are we not allowed to talk about the idea that maybe Stephon Diggs is the MVP of the league? Like maybe he's the most valuable player because we have evidence of this and then evidence of this, you know, afterwards. So I have been screaming about non-quarterbacks for some years and thinking that it's absurd that all MVP is is just who's the quarterback of the team with the best record I it is befuddling to me where are you with like the MVP conversation at this point quarterback is the most valuable position on the field it's not even close if you want to vote for another position for MVP you have to change the name of the award Kansas imagine asking Kansas City would you trade Patrick Mahomes to get Tyreek Hill back. No, of course Tyreek not. Tyreek Hill is like the right. best receiver in the right. in the league this year, right? right? No, who's more valuable, Patrick Mahomes or Tyreek Hill? I mean, Patrick Mahomes, it's not even close. It honestly works well to have an award for quarterbacks, an award for other offensive players, and an award for defensive players, and then you don't necessarily have to compare them against each other. But the most valuable players in the league are quarterbacks, and that's just how it is. I mean, Brock Purdy is not considered the greatest quarterback in the league by anyone. But if you're San Francisco, would you trade Brock Purdy for Tyreek Hill? Um, you honestly would not do it because man. quarterback is so important. I, I Boy, I hear you, Aaron, but I'd have to think about that one for a second, right? Like, 
You're the team that found Brock Purdy. If you have the opportunity, oh, man, I would ha- I would have to consider that. Le- okay, let me ask it this yeah, way. Yeah, the Patriots are the team that found Tom Brady, but it doesn't I, mean they were I know, they would keep doing it. I, I get it. I get it. I do understand that. I, I ask it this way. The Pittsburgh Steelers are slated to be a playoff team. Are we really arguing that Kenny Pickett is more valuable than T.J. Watt is the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, there are limits. Not okay. you know, it's not that the top the, the top thirty two most valuable players in the league are not quarterbacks. Yeah, but clearly the top five are. Okay. I I struggle. With you it, only man. vote. You only vote for five guys. Yeah, I I I don't know. It just sort of feels like we we like escape the thought the the context of it, right? Like I. I, and I'll say that, like as good as Patrick. If Mahomes, you want it, if hold on, yeah. if you want to argue, if you want to argue, yeah, that the MVP award should be based on how good you are compared to the average at your position. I would, I would like to have that conversation. Not com- okay. Then we need to retroactively give it to Justin Tucker for a couple of different. Years. You know what? I'm let's let's talk about it. Although not this year, not this year, not this year, yeah, not this year. Not this but year. There were past years. There were past years where it was very clear that the two best players in the league compared to the average at their own positions were Justin Tucker and Aaron Donald, and nobody would have thought and, of voting and, for Justin and Tucker I've got, for MVP. I've got no problem with it. Let me let me go back to this conversation, though. Although, in fairness, Justin Tucker was team MVP in Baltimore a couple of times, right? Like, we, we saw the same thing that you did. Um, it, San Francisco is a, a great argument to me because what you said was that passing efficiency with those guys on the field doesn't that yeah. like we saw what it looked like when those guys weren't on the field you 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 have to account for your teammates and you have to account for the scheme and i would not i would not despite his numbers i would not vote for brock purdy number one for mvp okay i wouldn't but he's in the conversation he's certainly in the conversation to be in the top five He's not the most valuable player, but he's a valuable player, certainly, right? He's not an easily replaceable player like some people think he is. It's just a hard year, right? Uh, the most valuable player in the league this year is probably Josh Allen. And he, and but when you look at the six, timing, right. Right. if you look at the timing of his bad plays and you look at the bad luck that Buffalo has, Buffalo has played way better than a 6-16. Six and 16. But if you look at the bad luck and the bad luck that he sort of made for himself at times, right? Like it's hard to vote for him. Yep. But he, the, to me, there's no question. The most valuable, he's the most valuable player in the league this year. Mahomes is probably number two, but his numbers don't equal what his numbers have equaled in past years. Correct. And so that's it's why- just a really difficult. It's a really difficult year. To vote for MVP. And that's why a couple weeks ago I wanted to talk about Travis Kelsey. I wanted to have a conversation like about what what that offers that is better than what anybody offers at any other position. You know, I know he's had a couple There's of no days. question. There is no question. If you ask Kansas City who's more important to them, Mahomes or Kelsey, I, I it's not know even that's it's true in like inherently, but ah oh man, this is this is the problem with me trying to have because Aaron's so much smarter than I am that I just can't. I'm not <laughs> capable of being able to construct this argument with Aaron because he is way smarter than I am. Uh, I know it's at a shots NFL C H uh, C S C H A T Z at a shots NFL on Twitter. Um, can you want to plug anything about the FTN network for everybody? Yeah. FTN network is where I am. And there's lots of great fantasy data with a fantasy plus subscription. Plus you get access to all my DVOA data splits, uh, and not to mention numbers back to 1981 
If you want my columns, you go to ftnfantasy.com slash DVOA. Aaron, always appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. We'd love to do this again down the road. All right. Yeah, I have a feeling, given the Ravens' season, we are going to be doing it. I hope that is the case, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Okay. Bye-bye. Aaron Schatz with us here on GCR. We're we're getting. I feel like we're getting lost in the minutia of the word valuable. I just feel like that's what ends up happening here. Is we 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 hide behind the word valuable instead of having an actual conversation. That's what bothers me about the MVP award. And I get it, Aaron, when he says, "Tell me which guy you'd rather have, Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey." I, I get it. Like the quarterback position is most important. And by the way, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is a bad argument because we all see what he's doing without having wide receivers. Like I, of the quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is the best argument I can make for just defaulting to being MVP this year because he don't have A.J. Brown. So I get it. But, man, I just feel like the conversation should be deeper than that. Like, we should be able to talk about, hey, what does this guy bring to the table that no one else can bring to the table? We'll come back in. We're going to preview waiver Wire Wednesday. I don't think there's a lot that's out there that can help you. It's just a... Kind of a dud of a week on the waiver wire. But we'll see if our buddy Joe Serpico can help us out a little bit and uh, find us someone that might be able to benefit us. So we'll do that next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Pressbox and Great Ace memorabilia. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. 
Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along the holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on Events to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. So obviously no Project Game Day this week because the Ravens are on their bye. Project Game Day will return the following Sunday following Ravens-Rams. We do it every game day this season. Myself, Rita, Femi. Uh, we've had an awesome cast uh, that's been hanging out with us. Uh, Ken Zalis, Josh Charles, and uh, Andrew Stecka has been with us this season. So please join us. I mean, we had a lot of fun on Sunday night. A couple of the folks in the room admitted that they had popped an edible before we started Project Game. It's a nice part about not being on the radio for game day this season is that, like, we can do – it got spicy. Rita came out firing, and once Rita was firing – Everybody was firing. It was a uh, not-safe-for-work version of Project Game Day on Sunday night. So uh, if you missed it, find it at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the Videos tab. Go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Project Game Day brought to you by A.J. Michaels, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. We will see you one week from Sunday for the next Project Game Day. A couple of quick things before we get to Joe. The Orioles have announced, they put out a press release today, that uh, their game times for this season... Saturday games will all be at 4.05. As a father, all in. As someone who forgets what section to buy his tickets in when the sun's out during the summer, not quite as great. So I'm like, oh, right, not in the shade. Crap. Not going to be pleasant. Uh, But I do like it in general, the idea of the 4.05 Saturday games. I'm in favor of that. Uh, Also, they are going to keep the 635 first pitch all season long during the week. So this is not just going to be while school's um, uh, in. They start games at 635 all summer long. They're keeping first pitch at 635. I actually love that. I think that's the big win there. I don't mind in the summer Saturday night games because, you know, like whatever. But um, I do love that. So those are the big uh, headliners, except for some TV games that they can't move the time because Fox wants them at 7.15. But those are the big stories uh, as they announce their game times for next year. It is Tuesday. Every Tuesday, we like to preview Waiver Wire Wednesday. Joining us now, Press Box Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico with us, courtesy of Live Casino and Hotel. 
Joe, good morning. How are you, my friends? Good morning, Glenn. I just heard what you said about the Orioles' schedule. I'm a big fan of that as well. I, Earlier I, to go to sleep during the week, and then uh, you could do things after a game on Saturday. I yeah, like that a that's lot. that's cool for like that. You can go to dinner afterwards and trying to get people to stay downtown, which I know is a big thing for the Orioles. The only thing, like, f- because I don't go to as many games, I do kind of like, and I'm an old man now, Joe. Like, I kind of like the comfort of of having a game to watch on a Saturday night, because in the summer, once like the four o'clock game is over. There's not anything that I care about to watch on a Saturday night. Like, we don't have a football I, game. I do agree with you on that. But um, in general, I think those are good things. I think the 635 thing, I, I think that's brilliant. I talked about that when I lived in Arizona um, for those two years. The Diamondbacks started all of their games at 640. And everybody said, well, that was because they were West Coast. They wanted to start a little bit earlier. Man, it was perfect. It was enough time that you could get there after work, and it got you out earlier. And I – I'm all in on the 635 thing. I all summer long. I am good with that, man. I I think that's a win for everybody. Well, I'm 100 percent with you. Like I said, it was, the, the, sometimes the hardest part was staying up and past 10 o'clock for for a yeah. baseball game. So yeah. you know these uh, so the, these early start times and with you know how things have changed to uh, make the game shorter, it's definitely uh, an added bonus. All right, so. Um... I, I thought it was going to be a light week, waiver wire conversation-wise, but uh, Ian Rappaport, 15 minutes ago, reports. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, fresh off a 91-yard, two-touchdown performance and a win over the Bucks, suffered an injured thumb that is requiring further evaluation and puts his status in doubt going forward, sources say. So how hard in the paint am I going to try to see if Zach Moss is available? Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if you got to uh, get that note, but I uh, quickly checked on the note. So he's available in over 50% of Yahoo leagues and 40% of ESPN leagues. And if that's the case, uh, he is my top priority this week for uh, waiver additions. Uh, kind of like we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, this is the whole reason why you wanted to have uh, handcuffs like him yep. in the event of an injury like this. And we've already seen in Moss's case just how good he can be when JT's out of action. So Moss is a guy that, uh, you know, I was a little bit surprised to see he was that widely available. Uh, But if he's available in your league, absolute must add uh, and a must start as well. So, uh, I mean, he's a must start presuming that Jonathan Taylor is out. I mean, like, Right. Well, based on you know, based off what we're hearing from Rapport, it sounds like you know, status moving forward. I would I would assume that at least a game or two missed. So. You know, if that's going to be the case, then, you know, Moss is one of those guys that instantly vaults into a top 15 running back as opposed to some running back situations. If, you know, the person ahead of him gets hurt, they're still, you know, a top 20, top 25 guy. So um, maybe you know a dummy who uh, has Josh Jacobs on a bye this week and doesn't, didn't take your advice and doesn't have Zach Moss and he's not available in that league. So if, a-chan plays can i trust him this week Ooh, that's a good one um just kind of like we saw a couple weeks ago he was the preferred option over jeff wilson wilson was a, a healthy scratch um so if he's active it does look like he's going to get some play but then you know you get, you, in the back of your mind you got to worry about what just happened a couple weeks ago where he had just a couple touches and then he was out of the game for you so i'm a little reluctant again to because those kind of injuries are your nagging injuries, so I'm a real, little reluctant to go with H-hand. But, you know, if you're in a do-or-die situation 
and he's your best bet, yeah, that's kind of a guy I would go for. Um, a guy I didn't get a chance to put in the article this week because it happened last night uh, that's pretty widely available, which is a little bit shocking to me, was uh, Roshan Johnson. He got most of the run last night for the Bears, uh, and he is super widely available. Yes, I understand. It's the Bears. Uh, it's hard to rely on the Bears, but it's also very few running backs that we can rely on. And again, we're at a week where we've got six uh, teams on a bye, so we don't have a whole lot of running backs to choose from. Would you? Uh, oh, what a... am I saying? I believe the Bears are on a bye this week anyway, so actually yep. that's what I just said. It's not going to help me at all. That's not going to help <laughs> me even a little bit. Well, cool, 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 cool. Um, all right, uh, we'll talk about the guys on your list for this week. I just wanted to get your thought. Are you, like, accepting at this point Rishi Rice as being a thing? Yes, uh, we talked about him a couple weeks back. I was a little reluctant to get on that train because it just seemed like they were trying to spread it around with everybody there. But it seems as, as of late that Rice is the uh, – the de facto number one receiver, obviously Kelsey is still their top target, but when it comes to receivers, and let's face it, Rice might have the best hands on that team when it comes to receivers. So, yeah, if, of all the guys on that Chiefs receiving core, he's absolutely the one I'm trusting most. With that said, you know, he kind of follows in that, you know, back end wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. I'm, I'm not really trusting him as a, like a top 20, top 25 option. But I, I ask it this way. Would you rather have him on your roster than, say, George Pickens at this point? Yes. Okay. And that's more a lot of – I mean, Pickens is a hell of a player, don't get me wrong, but it also player. has a lot to do with you know, the quarterback play. Yeah. No, I get You it. know, plays a factor there as well. I, I completely understand. Joe Serpico is with us as we preview Waiver Wire Wednesday, Press Box Fantasy Football Analyst, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Um. I, they got away from in the second half. Are you are you still comfortable with what you saw from Isaiah Likely? I know it's tricky this week because the Ravens are on a bye, so I don't I don't I don't really know what you're doing there. Well, I, I mean, he did lead the team in yardage and was second the team in targets, so I mean that's a encouraging sign for somebody who's basically taking over Mark Andrews' role. It's not like the tight end is just going to get abandoned from the offense. Uh, we did talk about it last week. I just think that. We're going to see a lot more of everybody, with that being likely, and the, uh, the three receivers. I just think we're going to see more of a mix between all four. Uh, likely is still probably a top 15 option for me moving forward. Uh, but, yeah, obviously this week he doesn't help you out a whole lot. But, you know, if, he, if you were somebody who had Andrews and you think, oh, man, he only got me six points of his half PPR, eight points in PPR, that's actually, you know, Based on how we've seen some tight ends this year, that's actually a solid week. So I'm not overly concerned about that just yet. All right, let's cover uh, the guys that are on your list for this week. And I, you start at tight end, which I have some bye week treble because Dalton Kincaid was a big pickup for me during the season. Um, you're buying in on Pat Fryermuth as being worthy of, of being rostered and, and perhaps even being in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, we've seen in the past that if Fryermuth is a reliable option, uh, Pickett, you know, we just kind of talked about he ain't the best option uh, as a quarterback, but we also know that you know, the, the when the quarterback play isn't that great, they seem to target their tight ends often, and he's coming off a career high, he's career high in reception yardage and targets this past week. He's available in over 50% of leagues. Like I just said, there's a couple minutes ago, tight ends are – Hasn't been uh, uh, the most fruitful position this year, so I would rather have a guy that I know has been reliable when healthy. That's another thing with him. He has battled injury, but when healthy, he has been pretty steady for us. The Green Bay situation all of a sudden is fascinating on every level, right? Um, and you bring up Jaden Reed, 
I I'm I guess like he's sort of must own at this point, isn't he? Based off what we've seen these past three weeks, yes, uh, he's he's the latest rookie that has kind of bursted onto the scene. Uh, he's got a touchdown in three straight weeks, and the Packers are just trying to find to get the ball in his hand in any way they can, whether it be uh, in screen game, the run game, you know, vertical plays. He's just such a weapon coming out of the slot. Uh, he, he reminds me a little bit of Tank Dell and stature and the way they kind of play play the game. So I, he's another guy that. You know, at this stage, I would rather have Watson and Reed over uh, Romeo Dobbs because we haven't seen a whole lot from Dobbs as of late. No, I'm with you. And I feel like Watson, like I've been, he's been sitting on my bench because I've been playing DJ Moore and Puka Nakua. Um, I'm going to, DJ Moore's on a bye this week, so he goes to the bench. And so I'm going to have to play Watson. But it's starting to feel like Watson's almost like must start at this point. Yes, compared to what we were saying a couple weeks ago where it seemed a little iffy, he seems like it. Whatever was ailing him early in the season kind of uh, has kind of passed him by a little bit, and Watson just kind of seems to get back form form that we were kind of expecting going into the season. Uh, that's kind of what we're seeing now. And then, yeah, like you said, Watson at this stage, uh, if you're in that situation you were talking about, yeah, absolutely. Watson is somebody uh, I'm absolutely putting in on the flex radar as of right now. Let's just say that you've been in a free fall, that you were like, eight and one and all of a sudden you've lost three straight games in a league not not any particular league that i'm talking about um you need some help i've got both because i see Derek carr's on your list in that league i've got both matt stafford and Derek carr stafford looked great like with his full complement of players back like the rams look great again but i get it the cardinals stink um are you playing stafford or are you playing Carr this week i'm going with stafford uh, for this week, okay. uh, more because Carr has uh, his wide receiver core is a little banged up going into this week. Part of the reason why I do like Jawan Johnson uh, as a potential streaming option at tight end this week. Um, but Stafford, I mean, we've seen it over and over again. I do like what we've seen from Carr t- the past couple of weeks. Don't get me wrong; hence why he's on there. Right. But uh, if if we have the rankings, uh, kind of like we talked about last week, I have uh, there's like a cutoff line basically with. Carr, Mayfield, and Minshew, and I'll put Stafford right around that that same range. Uh, so, like, all four of those guys are kind of the same thing to me, but based on what we saw this past weekend with the Saints getting all banged up, I would definitely be starting stop Stafford. All right. all right. Who else? What else is on your radar for this week? Uh, the only other note that I wrote down is I kind of, been t- you know, in my waiver wire piece, I've been talking about a couple of the uh, – Handcuffs that you want to keep in mind. There's, looks like there's a minor change down in Jacksonville. It looks like uh, Dearness Johnson has become the handcuff to own for Travis Etienne and was over Tank Bigsby. Uh, so if you're holding on Tank Bigsby for some reason, thinking that maybe that's going to be Etienne, you know, for God forbid something happens to Etienne, uh, get Dearness Johnson out of that handcuff. Uh, he might be somebody that could be helpful, uh, let's say, you know, week 15, 16, if something happens to Etienne. All right, at Joe Serp on Twitter is how you follow him. Pressboxonline.com is where you see all of his stuff. Joe Serpico, always appreciate you, brother. We will talk again next Tuesday. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Talk to you then. Take care. That's Joe Serpico, Pressbox fantasy football expert, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel, getting us ready for Waiver Wire Wednesday. Thanks a lot for that, Jonathan Taylor News. Really, really appreciate that. That's very helpful. Uh, by the way, is the live casino and hotel Reed sitting over there, Ryan? And if it is, could you uh, 
Go ahead and tell everybody about Live Casino and Hotel, please. Absolutely. Uh, was luck not on your side in your recent bet, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland? We'll get ready to turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion. Between now and January 4th, 2024, all Live Casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards members will be able to enter their losing slips into the second chance to win drum, and two nights a week, 20 winners will be chosen. Prizes range from Live Casino and Hotel Maryland Sports and Social Ultimate Happy Hour and cash and free play prizes up to $500. Drawings will be held every Thursday and Monday. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, we're winding down for this uh, a couple of things that I wanted to cover before we get. Uh, I'm, uh, did you do a tidbit, by the way? You can, I did. So, oh, Ryan did. did a tidbit. Look at that. Before we get to tidbit and tubular, uh, a couple things that I wanted to cover. From a sports perspective, I know that the Pro Football Hall of Fame list was trimmed down to the 25 semifinalists. They'll trim it down one more time to 15 before they go into the room to vote. Although, I don't know when they do that. Like, that's that's become a weird bit, too where they they do the voting ahead of time and not like on the Saturday anymore because it used to be that there was some pressure on the Saturday. Right. But now I think they do NFL honors. They tape it like on Thursday maybe. Yeah, when we were there at uh in um when we were in Arizona last week for Ed Block, they did it on Wednesday. NFL honors? Yeah. So they taped it on Wednesday. Yeah. And then did they air it on Saturday? They aired still aired it on Thursday. They aired it on th- um Thursday night. Okay. So I don't know when they do the voting anymore. I'm pretty sure that like they've completely changed that process from when we used to like grill all of the writers during the week of the Super Bowl about hey, how's this gonna go, you know, with the Hall of Fame. Like they do that ahead of time now and try somehow to keep it all secret uh between then. And I don't know. They've done a pretty good job of that for what it's worth. Um the list there's a lot of names on it that I'm like, all right, that's kind of that's adorable. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Tiki Barber, God bless you. You know, hell of a football player, not a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, maybe maybe one day down the road when there's these all of these committees, they'll I don't know, they'll they'll have Tiki Barber's name come up again, and they'll talk about how you know we have to stop viewing Tiki Barber by the statistics of the previous era and instead. Tiki Barber's not a Hall of Famer. Jari Evans is on this list. Jari Evans, damn good player, right? And like maybe somebody really knows the game is like, here's why there's a better argument for Jari Evans than you think there is. I'm I'm not that guy. Like I just don't have anything in me to say that Jari Evans is a Hall of Famer. Um, so there's some guys on the list that you're just like, yeah, it's it's kind of. I like Eddie George, hell of a career. I, at no point have I ever said to myself, I think Eddie George has to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That to me is more like a if we feel like we have to continue to recognize running backs, then we acknowledge that Eddie George was one of the best running backs of that era. But to me, I, Fred Taylor certainly would be higher on the list. Eddie George Eddie George is that guy that was, like, close. That, man, his, his best was really good, but not quite to me Hall of Fame level. Yeah, he fell off, like, right after those, those yeah, Titans-Ravens Ravens years, yeah. yeah. The guys that are on the list that scream, there's what there's the two first year guys, Julius Peppers and Antonio Gates. I, if you don't care about the first year thing, then you could say those guys are Hall of Famers. Right. Un indis, undisputably Hall of Famers. The guys that are holdovers, that to me I've been befuddled by, how Dwight Freeney didn't immediately get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I I got nothing for you. And maybe you'd say 
Well, we're biased here because we watched Dwight Freeney kick Jonathan Ogden's ass when no one could kick Jonathan Ogden's ass, so we just immediately think he's a – Dwight Freeney's a freaking Hall of Famer. Yeah, they need to have Jonathan Ogden in the voting room. Right. Like, yep, that guy is a like, Hall of Famer. Jesus Christ, how is Dwight Freeney not in the Hall of Fame? Um, another couple of guys that, to me, I'm I'm confused by – I I if Terrell Davis got into the Hall of Fame, then there I don't know what world there is that Patrick Willis isn't immediately Hall of Famer. Because the only knock on Patrick Willis is longevity, right? That he didn't do it for very long. But for the entirety of his career, Patrick Willis was the most dominant player that, I mean, not the entirety, because I get, oh, give me the year. What year did it start for Patrick Willis? Would have been 07. I guess you would still say that Ray Lewis was probably at his, the peak of his dominance for another couple of years. But by like 2010, Patrick Willis was the most dominant player at the position for five years. Luke Keekley's going to have the same problem with him, too, because Luke Keekley retired. Early, yeah, so. but I think Luke Keekley still played a couple more seasons than Patrick Willis did. Because Patrick Willis literally only played eight seasons, right? Like, it was like eight. That was it. And then he was done. And I know Luke Keekley was young, too, but I thought he was closer to ten seasons. Maybe you'll tell me that this is just, again, facts that I've made up in my brain. Or that I've Mandela-affected this somehow. And I've created a reality that isn't, you know, actually real. So Willis was 07 to 14. Right, so eight seasons. Yeah. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, I nailed that one. I want to say Luke Keekley was ten. Uh twelve to nineteen. Twelve to nineteen. So nine. So he was wait, twelve to nineteen. No, it's just eight. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize he was the same. Okay. So same conversation. I feel the same way about both of them. They're both Hall of Famers. Again, longevity being what it is, we addressed that with Terrell Davis. We addressed greatness in a small sample size. Terrell Davis got in. Patrick Willis is a Hall of Famer. Calvin Johnson got in. Calvin Johnson, he was, was he 10 years or was he? Calvin Johnson was 10 years, right? Maybe he was only eight years too. Maybe these are all only eight-year guys. But like we've, we've handled the short career thing. We've established a precedent. Terrell Davis, Calvin Johnson had shorter careers. But they were ungodly during those careers. What Calvin was Johnson was 2007 to 2015. So he was nine years. Nine. So he got a ninth. He was one year longer. But we, the precedent is there. Short career, if you were that great during the course of the short career, you're in. And Calvin Johnson deservedly got in. And Terrell Davis deservedly got in. And Patrick Willis, it's nuts to me that he didn't get in. Yet, Luke Keekley to me is a surefire Hall of Famer when he's eligible. The Devin Hester conversation to me comes down to one thing: Do you recognize him as a football player? If you do, he's in. I, the only argument that can be made is that you don't recognize kick returners as being football players, and I'll listen. Like I will. Like I do think that there's a conversation to be had about and this really is probably what it comes down to we struggle to put him in over other guys who were really football players but in just discussing Devin Hester the only way to keep him out would be to say we don't think he's a football player if you recognize returners as football players Devin Hester goes in he's a hall of famer and then there's the wide receiver conversation and there's a lot of them on here and this is the troubling part the troubling part is 
you could... I, I don't even want to get lost in the conversation about Steve Smith and Anquan Bolton. I have made peace with the idea that those guys might not be Hall of Famers. I do think that eventually... The, the shame is... Nobody wants to hear this because Steve Smith is a personality. There is no argument for Steve Smith over Anquan Bolton. The only argument is this is Mandela affected. We have created a culture where because Steve Smith talked more, because he had a bigger, bolder personality, we have convinced ourselves that Steve Smith was a greater player. Some people like to say, well, and he was also like the only receiver on his team, whereas Anquan Bolden in the Arizona years also had Larry Fitzgerald. That doesn't change what he did. Anquan Bolden had the better career of the two of them. In part because he accomplished the things that he did in the playoffs. Steve Smith, what it's worth, did make a Super Bowl, right? Like they, they did make a run to a Super Bowl. They didn't win it. Anquan Bolden is the better candidate of the two of them for the Hall of Fame but I think it's more likely that Steve Smith gets in first because he's had the bigger, bolder personality if those guys ever get in. For what it's worth, on the list of the wide receivers that are up for the Hall of Fame, they'd be four and five to me. Andre Johnson, Torrey Holt, and Reggie Wayne not being in the Hall of Fame is galaxy brain stuff to me. And it speaks to what a difficulty it's been for wide receivers when it comes to the Hall of Fame over the years. It... It's like we want to dismiss what they do because we just say, well, it's the offense or it's the quarterback or whatever. Like, now it's weird, right? Because Marvin Harrison got in and Isaac Bruce got right. in. Right. Those two are the, the secondary receivers in those offenses. Right. So we're willing to put one guy from those teams in, but we won't put the other one in, despite the fact that their numbers are scream off the page at you. Anybody who watched Reggie Wayne or Torrey Holt would say, that's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. But, like, we discount them because they had great quarterbacks. They were in great, prolific offenses. So it's almost like we're saying, well, anybody could have done that. No. <laughs> no. Azahir Akeem was never going to be Torrey Holt. No, I'm not trying to go war. Ricky Prohl was never going to be Torrey Holt. Fine football players. Not trying to attack Azahir. Not looking to have Azahir Akeem catch strays this morning. Brandon Stokely Brandon, right. was not going to be Reggie Wayne. Austin Collie. Yeah. Griff Whalen. Anthony Gonzalez. Sure. They tried. <laughs> um, those guys are Hall of Famers. It's nuts to me. And Andre Johnson's a Hall of Famer. They also all played indoors. And that, like, I get when we talk about, we can have whatever conversation you want to have. What would Steve Smith or Anquan Bolden have been in? I mean, Anquan Bolden did get a taste of Kurt Warner, obviously. Like, he did have a little bit of time with a, a legitimate Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, but not the bulk of his career. The bulk of Anquan Bolden's career, he played without a Hall of Fame quarterback. The bulk, the entirety of Steve Smith's career. Did Steve Smith ever have a Hall of Fame quarterback in his career? If you're if you're putting Cam Newton in. Cam Newton's not, not going to get in the Hall of Fame. He might. No, no. Cam Newton was a heck of a player, but he's not going to get in the Hall of Fame. Um... Was a dynamic, was an MVP caliber quarterback, right? Like that, that does matter. Um, but they didn't have Peyton Manning. Like if you're saying we think that if Steve Smith had played in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning, that he would have been. We can we can do this for forever. Like right. we can have this. What would one guy have been? What we have is the guy who did, 
and what that person accomplished. Tory Holt, Reggie Wayne are Hall of Famers. I, I, I don't know how this has continued to go on for this long. And there have been some weird ones that have gone in over the years that I've been like, really? Like that? Okay. Um, so if I had to pick five, Gates, Peppers, Freeney, those are the three that I'm like, what? Yes. And then I would put in Andre Johnson and Patrick, Patrick Willis, Patrick. probably. But that's almost like I'm creating a world where only one wide receiver is allowed to go in. Because truth be told, I think all three of the wide receivers should go in. But like that requires me leaving somebody else out. Where are you at on James Harrison and Wilfork? So I, I, I absolutely think that Vince Wilfork is a Hall of Famer. I just don't think of him above some of these other guys. But I think he's a Hall of Fame caliber player. James Harrison, I think, was a really good player for a stretch of time, and it wouldn't be offensive at all. I feel about James Harrison what I feel about Heinz Ward. I think they were damn good players for a long period of time. I think there were too many players at their position. Now, James Harrison is a weird one, right? Because like he was never just an edge rusher or just an inside linebacker. He was sort of this like hybrid of right. this total package. So it's kind of hard to judge him against... Who are you judging him against? Because if you judge him against against edge rushers, you're going to say, well, Dwight Freeney was definitely better than James Harrison. You know, John Randall. You're going to keep coming up. We've got you're going to say all those guys are better than James Harrison. If you judge him against inside linebackers, he's not Brian Urlacher. He's not Ray Lewis. He's not. You, you're going to find you're pigeonholing yourself to. Can James Harrison get in because you just talk about how unique he was as this kind of hybrid linebacker? If he got in, I have no – certainly there's too many guys on the list right now. Like If he got in over anybody that I just named, it's kind of a sham to me. And if Heinz Ward got in over the wide receivers that are on this list – Yeah, there'd be rioting. I mean, what are we doing? Right. Then it's a popularity contest. And again, you can, keep, you can do all the, well, yeah, but the team and – stop. Heinz Ward is not more deserving of the Hall of Fame than Reggie Wayne or Torrey Holt or Andre Johnson. Or, frankly, to me, Steve Smith or Anquan Bolden. Like, he would be sixth on that list for me. Which, again, doesn't mean that it would be offensive if at some point Heinz Ward gets into the Hall of Fame. It's just that putting him in over the guys that you have as options, uh, I'm, not, I'm not doing that, dog. That, I couldn't see that in any way. Um, I, I think that you can make the argument that half, half of this list are guys that I could see as being Hall Maybe not quite half. Like, Jared Allen is another – like, Jared yeah. Allen, to me, is a Hall of Famer. He was really good. Like, Jared Allen, I I think he's a Hall of Famer. But, like, Dwight – if we're putting an edge rusher in this year, it's Dwight Freeney and Julius Peppers, right? Yeah. Like, I, Jared Allen is third of knowing that group to me. And so, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I just got to clean it up and, and get the other guys in. If they put Jared Allen in and told Julius Peppers he had to wait a year – that wouldn't be offensive to me. Like, Julius Peppers was a damn good I think player. Julius would be okay with that, too. Yeah, I mean, because the... I, I don't... None of these guys want to have to wait. Let's let's make that abundantly clear. They, they don't want to have to go through that. But if that was what it was, is, hey, this year we're going to put Jared Allen in and next year we'll put Julius Peppers in. I think Julius Peppers is worthy of going in immediately, but it's not going to be offensive based on who else hasn't gone in immediately. This isn't like... You know, leaving Ray Lewis out or right. something like that. They, remember, they left Michael Irvin out. 
for a couple of years. They made him wait. This is way less offensive to make Julius Peppers wait a year than it was to make Michael Irvin wait to get into the Hall of Fame or some of the other guys they made wait. So if that's the way they went about doing it, saying, hey, we, we got it, we screwed up, we got to get Freeney and Allen in, let's clean that up, and then we'll do Peppers next year. Like, I haven't even looked at who all is eligible next year. I, are we at Peyton Manning next year? I think so. I'm, I'm trying to do that math. Peyton, that Super Bowl was the, you know, it seems like that should be right, right? Peyton Manning would be next year. Um, you know that so Jared Allen to me is a Hall of Famer. The London Fletcher one is fascinating, right? Because statistically, London Fletcher compares well to even guys like Ray Lewis. Like his statistics are significant, but you just never think of him in the same way, and you don't know if you can measure inside linebackers entirely by their statistics. Because as we talk about a lot with inside linebackers, sometimes you just rack up tackles because you're the guy who's there. I, I don't. I think London Fletcher is a guy that one day will be in the Hall of Fame. Somehow, some way. But he's not a priority for me. Marshall Yonder is eligible next year. I don't think he'll get in on the first ballot, but obviously I think Marshall Yonder will be a, a Hall of Fame caliber player. Who else is on the first year? Uh, Lorenzo Alexander, Vernon Davis, Travis Frederick, Keekley, Eli Manning. So Peyton was the year after that? I think so. Okay. The shame is that, like, Eli is the type that we all have sort of made peace with. He's a Hall of Famer, despite the fact that he didn't really have a Hall of Fame career. He just won two, two Super Bowls, and we've convinced ourselves between two Super Bowls and playing in the New York market that he's that makes him a Hall of Famer. His career was not actually worthy of the Hall of Fame, but he will probably get in. I don't know that Eli Manning is worthy of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, if we looked at the list of guys, I would struggle. There's going to be, for example, if you leave either Jared Allen or Julius Peppers off the list and they're back on this list next year and you said, hey, it's Eli Manning or it's Julius Peppers, I think we get lost in that, like, telling the story of football thing and the Manning brothers and all of that. I, Julius Peppers, to me, was the better football player. It's, it's so difficult to talk about Eli Manning because you're talking about a guy who wasn't really great during his career. He just happened to win two Super Bowls. And we've kind of decided that, like, you're a quarterback who wins two Super Bowls, you get into the Hall of Fame. And... I struggle with the notion of Eli Manning first ballot Hall of Famer. Like that's that is very difficult for me. Like we watched his career. He wasn't that guy. He was a guy that won two Super Bowls. Like that's what he was. How many all pros did Eli Manning have? I mean, like, and I mean this. Did he have one? I I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. I mean, he was played in the golden era of quarterbacking. I think he probably found it very difficult for him to ever be an all-pro. He had none. I didn't think he did. Just a four-time pro bowler. By the way, he was only a four-time pro bowler. And he didn't even play in the conference where all the good quarterbacks were. Think about that. I think it's easily forgotten for people that weren't living it when Eli Manning was playing. Young people. Now i got to go really young. The golden era of quarterbacks, the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, 
Ben Roethlisberger, they were all over there. Now, in the NFC, they had Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, that's what he was up against. But you have three Pro Bowl quarterbacks every year. And he only managed to get four. And he had name recognition, the New York market, and he only managed to get four Pro Bowl nods. That's a first ballot Hall of Famer? Not for me, man. Yeah. I don't see it. To me, Keekley, like, I think, but maybe the longevity thing will hurt him for being a first ballot guy. Like, it seems like there might be room next year to try to get some guys in. Eric Weddle's uh, eligible, I think, as well. I don't know that Eric Weddle's ever going to get in. I like Eric Weddle a lot. He was a hell of a player, but I don't know that he's ever going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, and I think Yonda will get in, but I don't know that he's a first ballot guy either. There might be room next year for some of this this log jam. Like, at the wide receiver position, maybe we go ahead and try to get that cleaned up over the course of the next two years. Did Logan Mankins get in on his first? Logan Mankins isn't in. I thought he was in. No. Um, he's not even on the... That's the interesting part. He's not even on the the list. Yeah, he didn't even. Oh, he's make not the, on the list. No, he's not. He didn't make the semifinals. Logan Mankins, a only a uh, a six time All Pro. Yeah, he's a six time All Pro. He's not even on the list of semifinals. That's that's tough, right? <laughs> yeah. Man, that's a tough one for it. Just talking about Marshall Yonda. Logan Mankins didn't even make the semifinalist list. He might have been a guy where I saw him on a list. I'm like, yeah, he's going to get in eventually, and then I guess not. And Marshall Yonda was a seven-time All-Pro, so he's got, like, <laughs> one leg up on Logan Mankins. That's rough, dude. I did not realize that. That is rough. They're both on the All-Decade team, and Logan Mankins isn't even on the semifinal. Wait, is he definitely eligible? Yeah, he's eligible. He finished his career in 15. Yeah. Jesus. That's tough. That is really tough. And does not bode well for the chances of Marshall Yonda getting in quickly uh, as he gets Hall of Fame eligible next year. All right, there's our Hall of Fame conversation as the semifinalists were announced today. Today's show also brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available still for another couple of weeks wherever you get PressBox around town, including all of your neighborhood Royal Farms. Go pick it up today. Great cover story from Todd Karpovich about the uh, position player holdovers. Also a lot of college basketball, Brooks Robinson memories in this print issue of PressBox. And if you'll give me one minute, uh, I've been teasing it. We're going to be able to make it official. The next step in what we're going to do for Helping Up Mission, we're going to do it this week, and today is Giving Tuesday. So going to ask you, because as you know, we had to shift from what we had been doing for Helping Up when we were doing coats and clothes. We did too well. And that's that's not even a bit. We I, I brought a semi-truck down the last year. I mean, like, we did too well. We legitimately straight shoot. They did not have enough storage space. Now, I want to make it abundantly clear. We got it all out to other shelters. It all went. That They did not have enough storage space. We had to go to the backup storage facility the last year that we did coats and clothes. And we still had too much stuff to fill the backup storage facility. Great problem to have. But as other entities continue to do coats and clothes for helping up mission, like I think you might have seen the Ravens were down there a couple weeks ago with theirs, we were asked if we could shift our focus the last couple years towards toiletries and underwear. Two things that obviously you don't really think about donating because you can't just go to your closet and pull them out. 
that was a tricky ask for us. We were like, okay, we'll do our best. And last year, uh, we came up with a thought process, and you guys took care of it, and you raised over $3,000 for us, and we were able to go to uh, Target. The folks at Target and White Marsh stretched that money out for us a little bit more, gave us a lot of uh, discounts, and we ended up donating like $4,000 worth of toiletries and underwear. And a few folks like also donated physical, like went out and bought underwear, went out and bought you know socks. Those are the types of things that we need. I say that to say we got to do it again this year. And we already did the NBA in-season tournament pool, and we raised the first $150 that we're going to raise for helping up mission. Thank you, guys. The first six spots, no, the first seven spots in the raffle are all gone. The raffle is going live this week. So i got to fill 93 more spots in the raffle. $25 to get in for the raffle. The grand prize, Ryan, if you don't mind, grab that uh, helmet there if you would. The grand prize... Or maybe you don't want this and you would rather have one of the runner-up prizes. But the grand prize in the raffle is this helmet right here, which is signed by a number of current Ravens. Uh, I'm looking at Justin Matabike. I see Tyus Bowser, Pat Ricard. I think yesterday Griffin told me Adafe Owe was on there. I think the names are on the top of the box, I think, too. Uh, no. It's, oh. oh, oh, look at that. Griffin must have done that yesterday. Uh, all right, Brandon Stevens, Adafe Owe, Justice Hill, Tyus Bowser, Justin Matabike, Pat Ricard already have signed it, and there will be others, obviously, before uh, we give it away, as we've been asking folks that come out for the Tyus Bowser show to sign that helmet. Um, and I think uh, there will be other. I think Keaton Mitchell's doing an event where I'm going to be able to get him to sign that as well. So number of the members of this year's Baltimore Ravens team will have signed that helmet. That will be the quote-unquote grand prize. Secondarily, our friends at Grade 8's memorabilia have stepped up for me. Always appreciate them. And they have allowed me to have one lane at their Rollin' with Santa party on December 16th. Saturday, December 16th at the Parkville Lanes from 1 to 3 p.m., you and a guest will be my guests for a party that will include a meet and greet with Keaton Mitchell and Brandon Stevens and bowling for a couple of hours and food and drink and everything taken care of. So two of you will win two passes to that party, that bowling with Santa party, and one of you will win that helmet. And we might even have a couple other prizes that we're able to throw in as well for people. That, like, we might end up having, like, as many as five winners in the raffle. But the big prize is this helmet. So I need you to get in. I got to fill 93 spots. Thank you to John and Little Rock, who already took three spots. Thank you to um, Tim and Belair, who took four spots. I know some of you will tell me, hey, dude, I'll be willing to donate. I don't even care about winning. Fine. Fine. I'm going to give you a spot anyway. Because it's just about record keeping for me and making sure. Unfortunately, I'm not an LLC. Like, <laughs> you're Venmoing me. That's just the reality. And so because of that, I need to know what money in there is definitively for. And by doing the math by 100, that works out for me. It's easy to figure that out, right? Like, not hard to say, oh, $2,500. Whereas if some of you were like, oh, I'll give you the money. But then I was like, do I have 100? Do I have 103? I just don't want any of the money to end up. I need to be able to separate my money from the charity. And I know somebody would say, why don't you set up another Venmo? Dude, leave me alone. <laughs> Too much. Too much. 
So if you get in and you donate, you're going to be given raffle spots. All right? If you don't want the prize, just tell me that. We'll give it to somebody else. Totally fine. Somebody will want that prize. But need you to get in $25 for a raffle spot. Grand prize, the helmet. Also, you could win uh, passes to the bowling party with Great 8's memorabilia. Find out more at great8smemorabilia.com. All right? So this week, I need you to do that. I want to get it filled up this week. Uh, Venmo is Glenn-Clark. PayPal, GlennClark180. Cash app, dollar sign Glenn Clark Radio. If there's some other newfangled thing that I, Zell, I don't know, I'll help you. I believe Stephen Pimlico every year has asked me if he can mail me money. And you know what? Fine. <laughs> Fine. Stop by the studio. Do whatever you need to do in order to get in. But we need your donations for us to help up, helping up mission and get the folks there taken care of with toiletries and underwear. The next step in the process is the raffle. And it's the biggest step in the process. Because once we get through the raffle, we'll be at 2650 Then we'll do our bowl pick next week. And that should fill the last 350 to get us to $3,000. I think we're going to add one more element this year, and I do think we're going to have an event where anybody who comes out and either makes another cash donation will be able to meet a uh, Baltimore sports figure, and it'll just sort of be a hangout party, but I'm still finalizing the details on that right now. So, so far, what I've got for you is the raffle. So get in. Glenn Dash Clark on Venmo. Glenn Clark 180 on PayPal. Dollar sign Glenn Clark Radio on Cash App. I don't know. Send a carrier pigeon. Whatever you got to do. $25. Gets you a raffle spot. 100 raffle spots. Winner gets that awesome helmet. Cool? Cool. Capiche? Capiche. That's what we're doing. I'll get more details up today at glennclarkradio.com. Hopefully. Should have done that ahead of time with it being Giving Tuesday, but got a lot going on these days. Trying to put together the best of issue of Press Box. Everybody keeps putting more things on my plate. Like, I don't have time for all this. Then my keys are missing and our pets' heads are falling off. It's a whole thing. And you're getting stung by wasps? Wasps, yes. Got this one. Literally, I can't put my shoes on today. Like, my shoes. Yeah, are see, your on socks the, are on. Uh, no, it's, uh, shoes are sitting on the floor. Um, I got st- As I was lurking for my keys yesterday, I basically stepped on a wasp that stung the bottom of my foot. Were you barefoot? Yeah. I was at home. Like, I didn't remember. I didn't have keys. I couldn't go anywhere. So I was at home. Sucks. Just sucks. All right. Um, Very good. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, as we discussed earlier with Kevin Zeitler, the Ravens are in their bye week, so it'll be two more weeks until we see the Ravens take the field again. Uh, they will be facing the Los Angeles Rams in two weeks uh, when the Rams come here to Baltimore. I think we know that uh, John Harbaugh in his coaching career actually has a very good record uh, after the bye, but actually the Ravens are actually pretty good even even in, in the pre-Harbaugh era after the bye. The Ravens are 17-4 and and 16-5 and against the spread in post-bye games going back to 2002. Mm. And not only that, the Ravens are 7-0 and in bye weeks uh, uh, or after bye weeks uh, against NFC foes. So well. with, with the Rams coming here in two weeks. Can we chalk that up as a win? I don't know what the spread is, so that's the more important part to me. We'll have to deal with that once we get there. Um, I mean, you're still you're going to feel all of the circumstances are going to make you feel really good about yeah. the Ravens, although the Rams obviously look pretty good with the, just getting Kyron Williams back and having been a bit healthier of late. They have looked 
better. I loved uh, his thirty-eight point four points in my uh, in my fantasy line. Yeah, they were week. they were on my bench in one league. That was I just totally forgot. I legitimately like forgot that I needed to put Kyron Williams back in my lineup. <laughs> go get Zach Moss. Way to go, Stu. Not available. All three leagues unavailable. Two of the leagues I have Jonathan Taylor. Way to go, idiot. Way to go, holding broad spots on your bench for effing terrible wide receiver Darnell Mooney. <laughs> Justin Watson. DJ Chark. Got to be wasting roster spots anymore when I didn't have Zach Moss. And I'm like, Way to go, stupid. Way to go. All right. Uh, trivia last night. There was only one sports question. Uh, disappointing second place at trivia last night. Uh, only sports question. And by the way, we only went three of four on this one. The four active NFL head coaches with the most career wins. Bill Belichick. Obviously. Pete Carroll. Yes. Um, wow. Uh, Mike Tomlin? Yep. And John Harbaugh? Not John Harbaugh. So you kind of, you really boofed this because you missed number two on the list. I missed number two. We missed number four. I don't feel quite as bad about this. What what um, what conference? The, uh, the AFC, sorry. The AFC. Although he's won games in both. Uh, oh, Sean Payton? No. Not Sean Payton. I believe he is fifth, though. He's also ahead of John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, seventh. Why am I blanking on this guy? Yeah, not a great look. Who is it? It's won two Super Bowls. Andy Reid, really? Andy Reid. That's really, wow. really bad. So we got Andy Reid. We screwed up on who was fourth. Gotcha. We got the, the first three, and then Pete Carroll is fourth, and we went – I think we went Harbaugh, too. Um, and it was more like the momentum of the team was like, it's Harbaugh, right? I'm like, eh, I guess. I don't know. And I, I'm literally doing the math. I'm like, it could be Carroll. It could be Peyton. It could be Mike McCarthy. It could be J- – like, I'm going over the list yeah. of, like, the guys that it could be. And I ended up letting them talk me into Harbaugh. They all had more wins than Harbaugh. <laughs> Every single one that I named. I was like, we didn't only – not only did we get, not get number four, he was seventh on the list. Um, so that was the only sports tri- question of trivia last night. Tubular brought to you today by Superbook. Let's uh, let's do- double-check the MVP odds right now. Oh, they've locked them again, so they're going to probably unlock them later today. Uh, Lamar Jackson was third on that list coming into the weekend. Ravens now down to minus 365 to win the AFC North. You can get in at Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. When you do, use the code GlennClark23. When you sign up, you will... S- receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match from Superbook. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Maryland in action tonight, but not on TV. You have to be a Big Ten Network Plus subscriber in order to check out Ryder in Maryland at 7, or you can listen to it on 105.7 The Fan. Um, as far as Big Ten hoops tonight, Georgia Southern, Michigan State, 6.30, Texas Southern, and Purdue at 8.30 on Big Ten Network. New college football playoff top 25, which Patrick Stevens will tell you does not matter. That's 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN, followed by Miami, Kentucky at 7.30, and Clemson, Alabama at 9.30. Yeah, this is ACC-SEC Challenge Week. Um, as they got rid of the ACC Big Ten Challenge because ESPN's out of the Big Ten business. So they said, we need a new conference, and they went with the SEC. ESPN 2 for LSU-Syracuse at 7, NC State Ole Miss at 9, ESPNU, Missouri, and Pitt at 7.30. ACC Network, Mississippi State, and Georgia Tech at 7. SEC Network, Notre Dame, South Carolina at 7. Uh, TNT tonight for Bucks Heat at 7.30, Warriors Kings at 10, ESPN Plus and Hulu for Hurricanes Flyers at 7.30. The USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at 8. 
Uh, I'm guessing Griffin didn't send you non-sports uh, tubular. No, he did not. All right, so could be anything. <laughs> Maybe a nice Christmas special. I could go for a good Christmas special in my life. So who knows? Hopefully Griffin will send it to me so I can post it up at glennclarkradio.com. I did enjoy that. Um, I guess they released that deleted scene from Elf where uh, Will Ferrell. I did. Like, I saw hockey that. And, like yes, throwing like, elbows, absolutely and leveling was, everyone, hilar- and then hilarious. fires a slap shot. Yeah. And, like that was good. I did enjoy that. That was excellent. All right, Ryan, thank you very much for coming in and hanging that. out today. At Ryan on Twitter. I think Griffin will be back tomorrow, but I don't know if he's still doubled over the toilet. Then we'll see Ryan again <laughs> here tomorrow. Uh, thanks today, too. We had a busy show. Thanks to Tori Smith. Thanks to Kevin Zeitler. Thanks to Wes Brown. Thanks to Patrick Stevens. Thanks to Aaron Schatz. And thanks to Joe Serpico. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the... Do you remember to do here? No. Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, on the program tomorrow, Zach Britton is going to join us. Um, he announced his retirement last week, but it was Thanksgiving week, and we just decided we'd push it back. So we're going to catch up with Zach Britton and talk to him about uh, his incredible career. Uh, maybe Drew? I don't know. Whatever. Might be better <laughs> if it's not. <laughs> Stuff and things tomorrow on the program. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, oh, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Casa Sin, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Terps. Duke sucks.